Attention, please. Eastern Airlines Flight 19, now ready for departure. Welcome aboard the Walt Disney World Express Monorail. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're entering the vacation kingdom of the world. There's enough land here to hold all of the ideas and plans we could possibly imagine. We call it Epcot. Will be our experimental prototype city of tomorrow. Welcome to another episode of the Retro Disney World Podcast. Taking you back to the vacation kingdom of the world, the way it was, and the way it is in your memories. All right, welcome to another episode of the Retro Disney World Podcast, the official podcast of the Lake Buena Vista Historical Society. This is episode 84, the Disney Vacation Club, where we'll be taking you back to the origins of the Vacation Club and those early years as what you now know as no now know as Old Key West. Sitting with me as always oh, hold on. <clears throat> I'm your host, Todd McCartney, and sitting in with me as always this evening, and coming in from Ohio, the school year is done, he's relaxing a little bit, sitting outside sometimes now, Mr. J.T. Couser. How are you doing, J.T.? I'm great. Ready ready to go on another episode, yep. and um, you know, I was almost a DVC owner, Ooh. well, heir to an owner, so I will tell that story look. of Good. how we were so close to being uh, a member in the 90s, and then... My dad said no. Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. And coming in from the city of Brotherly Love, Mr. Brian Miles. How are you this evening, sir? Greetings, salutations, and uh, happy summer. The yeah, pool well, opened last week. I haven't missed a day yet, even though nice. it's been a little chilly out there. The water temperature was 67 the first day I jumped in. It's a little wow. brisk, uh, but uh, that's where you'll find me from now through Labor Day. I was very jealous of your photo yesterday. You were laying on the in the water. You sent that photo to us and said your current view. And I we were having a weird summer here in New Hampshire. I had to put the heat back on. The house was like sixty two degrees yesterday and freezing. So yeah, we'll be back. We've had two ninety degrees days prior. So yeah, we've had some schizophrenic weather here where it gets into the eighties and then it's in like the forties at night. So yep, yep. Great sleeping weather. Yeah, it is. It is. And as always, coming in from this city, which I do not have any other names for, I've currently run out until I research more. Mr. Hal Bowers, how are you tonight? Aloha. That's actually one of our city names is the city that there's no other names for. For? Yeah, that's that's one of our (laughs) nicknames. Completely ran out. Home of Scientology, the city that's the home of Scientology, right? That's right, Clearwater. Yeah, Yeah, get get your Thetans. Thetans ain't cheating. Your neighbors in Clearwater. Is it it Cigar City? Was that thing I Uh, saw that time correct? Tampa Cigar City, because yeah, yep. we, back in the turn of the century, they did cigar hand rolling there. So yes, that's absolutely okay. Fine. Do you know what and, another uh, big tobacco area was that most people don't know? Hart- Winston-Salem. Hartford, <laughs> Connecticut area. How really? about that? Between oh, oh. Hartford and Springfield, Mass., uh, around the Bradley Airport, that the tobacco barns are still there. They still dry tobacco. Very... Is that why they have the insurance company, the Hartford, is from all the people that died of cancer? <laughs> it might have been so. <laughs> Unrelated, is, is Hart- yeah. I, I did like seven New England cities in a weekend yes. once. Is Hartford the city where I saw the uh, 
uh, who's the re- Mark Twain House? Is that in Hartford? Yes, it's it's yeah. in, in in West Hartford. Yep, just a yeah. little bit after right off of eighty four. There, it's a very interesting home. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's I, worth we enjoyed a trip. our tour. We enjoyed yeah. our tour. Yep. That was we were there to see the uh, Hartford Wolfpack play in the old uh, yes. auditorium where the Hartford Whalers. Used the to Whalers, play yeah, yeah. Hartford is right in the middle. There's a lot of small cities in New England. It's very interesting because you got Hartford, Springfield, Worcester. Providence, and then you get your bigger Boston and your Manchester and your Concord. So there's, it's really neat. They're all clustered within kind of an hour's drive of each other. I so. want to say I was at a minor league hockey game in every single one of those cities that you just named. Yes. The As a spring, team, right? Yeah. The Springfield Thunderbirds, <laughs> yeah. the Providence Bruins, the, yeah. uh, what was the other one you named? That Worcester. Worcester. Worcester got, has the Ice Cats, I think. Yeah. You got um, Portland, Maine as well. New Port- Haven, we Connecticut. The, Port- the Portland, yeah. uh, Pirates, I think, is the, yep. or maybe that's the baseball team there. But well, it's uh, Portland Sea Dogs is the is the is the hockey team. I thought they had an AHL. No, the C, team. the Sea Dogs is the is the is the baseball um, team. Baseball team. So yeah. they might be the Pirates, the uh, hockey team. But yeah, I I did a whole thing where we went to a bunch yeah. of hockey games and followed our team, the Lehigh Valley fans up there a few years is, back. And does anybody know what a sea dog is? I do not. It's just it's like a seal. An old sea fan. It's a seal. It's a seal, seal, huh? Really? It's a seal. Oh, yeah. that makes sea sense. Dog. That makes sense. Yeah, it's a sea dog. I just thought it was a they bark, dog right? with a peg leg and yeah. a little patch on its eye. Going, <laughs> far, 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 far. Well, we have toured our small New England cities and 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 hockey team, uh, uh, you know, semi-professional hockey teams and stuff. But uh, you gentlemen, hopefully, will be coming up to visit too. We have a, we have a. Uh, a place we want to visit here in New England at some point. Well, too. I'm coming this summer, you know. It. All right. Got one. For those listening, wonder if you're in the area, the well-known tiki bar called Kowloon and uh, Chinese restaurant is going to be closing its doors and reopening in a smaller location on the same property. But they're closing their, their large, large place. So we got to make a pilgrimage there. But anyway, enough about that. New I'm England. get tuned and, up that night. Yeah. Navy grog. And what's that thing you ordered? The two for one now? We were out west with at the oh. tiki bar that since closed. The guys, it was oh, for the two. And Hal said, "I'll take I'll one." Take he said, "Well, that's for two people." He said, "I'll take one. I'll take one. <laughs> one for two, not two for one." Yeah. I, was, I uh, remember it was served in a shell, but I can't remember what the drink did, was. Yeah, off me the top of my head now. But. Probably a grog or a fog or one of. Oh, those, it was so. delicious. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's head over to the mailbag. Uh, JT actually has a helper in his office. His, his daughter is helping him out uh, tonight with the mailbag, and uh, she's arranged everything. She's in producer. I, yeah, she's producing this segment, so uh, a, a big shout-out to Lily for helping us. So what do we got, JT? All right, we got a little potpourri like oh, usual. Yeah. The mailbag is full. Um, some stuff on some current episodes and some, some other things as well. Uh, first off, Zach Brown, not of the band. <laughs> Uh, Zach Brown says, I want to take a moment to thank you all for your passion project. As you know, there are more Disney podcasts than anyone could ever need. But I truly think that yours is among the greatest. Now, this got my attention, obviously. Uh, Your attention to detail, love for classic Walt Disney World, and brotherly banter is what keeps me coming up from time and time again. Now, this is what I like. I like hearing when and how people listen. I don't know why that really fascinates me. Um, Zach is uh, in pest control down in... uh, florida and he says at the time uh he he you know had a lot of time to listen to music and podcasts he hopped on retro disney world he got hooked and over the following months he binged binged all the episodes and caught up on the newest ones he wants to thank us for keeping company that first year as well as giving him a new appreciation for the history of the disney resort very nice well you know that's a great 
thing to say, JT. I really don't know when people listen to us. And if anybody writes in and says, well, when I can't sleep at night, I use you guys to go to fall asleep. Then we know we're done, right? When that's the <laughs> that email comes in, we're, we're done. We should so, have I sense a should, survey coming from you. Yeah, we should have a thing like, see. where's the weirdest place you've ever listened to our oh. podcast? Let's do it. There we go. We yeah. shouldn't. We should do that right now. Have everybody write in. Where's the weirdest place you've listened to the podcast? And we will filter them out. So if it's something really weird, yeah. send them in. We'll don't say, don't we'll say in the butt, Bob, because we know that that's not a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Let's get weird, everybody. Yep. Here we go. All right. Speaking of uh, places listening, that was a perfect segue because John wrote us. And I feel like we've had a few of these before, but these always uh, connect with me. John started listening during his marathon training the past oh. year. And if you've trained for a marathon, you know that's at least a four to six month process if you're starting from the couch. Uh, he completed the marathon in, in Florida back in January, so congrats on that. And then he mentioned uh, the classic photo op that they always have there, which had Mr. Toad and uh, the Nautilus from 20,000 Leagues. So uh, so that helped him get through many miles of training. So very good job, uh, John. And... Uh, that's another fun place to listen. Okay, this one is from Scott, and we are going to a, a little bit of Body Wars. We did that episode a while back. He says he's been catching up. He says, we commented uh, many times on the similarities to Star Trek, and the film portion was directed by Leonard Nimoy. Um, but he didn't hear us mention the music in Body Wars. He says the Body Wars score was composed by Leonard Rosenman, who also scored Star Trek IV, which was also a Leonard Nimoy-directed film. Which one was for? Is that that's the Voyage that's Home? Voyage that's Home, where not Search for Spock. No, that's when they're in uh, 1986, right, Circo, San Francisco. Yeah. Well, that's... he says it came out in '86. Uh, and Wonders of Life didn't open until 89, so he assumes that Mr. Newman brought him along to this project because of their work on Star Trek, but he was kind of curious if we knew anything about that or um, any info on how this guy came to work on Body Wars. I'm, I'm sure that that's probably it. I know a lot of times people will just say, like, hey, who'd you work with that was good that you like doing, and, you know, great, give him a call and see if he's available. So I think that totally makes sense. Okay, well, thank you, uh, Scott, on that one. Appreciate that. That's a, a good catch, and uh, I I really don't know the music from Body Wars, so I'm, I'd have to listen to what that sounds like. It's very like. dramatic. It's, uh, yeah, it's not one of the ones that you really uh, remember either, but I do remember coming out. It was kind of triumphant as you came off the, the attraction. So. It, it amazingly I think I've heard some side-by-side, side, and it amazingly sounds a lot like some of the music from Star Trek Four, like... <laughs> well, there you go. Like they might have used Star Trek Four as a temp score and said, "Make me stuff like this for this show." Yep, that's like when you, you uh, hear Jerry Goldsmith music, and there are just entire sections he borrows from prior compositions. So I remember the movie Air Force One, and then hearing something else that Jerry Goldsmith did, and I'm like, "These things sound alike." Like. And then you realize that you're in the Wilderness Lodge and they're playing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I have to Google and make sure Jerry Goldsmith actually did the music for Air Force One. I think he I did. I think he did, I'm too. I guess he did. They, they've been playing a lot there, the theme from Mighty Ducks, yes. which kind of fits, but I don't know if he did that one as it, well. It was but it also Jerry sounds Goldsmith. Very, 
He did Air Force yeah. One. Yeah, he did do Air okay. Force One. So. All right. Well, yeah, that's Body Wars is always one you hear the audio on these uh, these theme park radio stations, but I never hear the music, so I'll have to seek that out because I'm, I'm curious now. But anyways, thanks a lot, uh, Scott, for that. Appreciate that letter. Okay, next up is Claudia. We're getting into some Disney Institute letters, so buckle up, everybody. Uh, Claudia participated in one of the programs. It was in 1996, possibly around April, April or May. But her and her boyfriend, or now husband, spent the day at the Institute. They were cast members, actually, in the international program at the time, so they got the cast member discount hmm. on the activities. It was a while ago, but I remember we did at least three classes. Cooking, ink and paint, and stand-up comedy. I remember cooking was on site at the Disney Institute in a dedicated kitchen space. We cooked angel hair pasta, and somewhere in my things I still have the recipe. The group was very small. There were probably six of us all together, plus the instructor. There might have been two instructors. It was a very relaxed, enjoyable experience with lots of tips, and of course, all the ingredients and tools were provided. We also did the ink and paint, again on site, and a dedicated space. All was provided, and I can't quite remember if it was the same group we cooked with, but it was uh, about as small. I do remember other cast members doing it. It was awesome. We got to learn how to paint cells, and it was super hard. But the session was really fun, and I've never forgotten how hard it was to do, especially when watching the professionals. The last session, we did stand-up comedy, and this was at the Adventurers Club in Pleasure Island. We took a van there, and we had a lot of exercises and practice on stage. It was empty, you know, lunchtime, that whole thing. I remember doing lots of acting and body expression stuff, and it was just fun. Again, it was a small group, and I think there were no more than two instructors on this one. At some point during the day, we also had lunch at the Disney Institute, and at the end of the day, we also had uh, use of the facilities so we could use the pool and the hot tub. I remember the place being generally empty, sounds about right, and we did think that the fun of that day, who would do that? People came to Walt Disney World to go to the parks, not to learn to cook or whatever, plus it seemed expensive. The location was very restful and relaxing. I do remember having a lovely day wandering around the site, looking at all the buildings, and being amazed that it was all just so, so empty. But this meant that the pool was only for us. I also wonder if Disney Institute had only just so, perhaps they were ramping up or... It had just started, but there wasn't enough interest, so it was made available to cast members at a lower price. I'm sorry I don't remember lots of detail, but that was a long time ago. Well, Claudia, I, that was a lot of detail. You know, I'm, I, that was a great picture, and as soon as you said, I remember wandering around the site, and it just seemed empty. I just imagined like a shopping mall five years ago or something, just being empty and going, where is everybody? But everything's still open at the mall, but that's, uh, that's a good good bit of story I, there. I also want to say Claudia is a, a dedicated, like a super fan. She writes to us after most episodes and uh, she was an international cast. I think we may have read her letter years back, but she was an international cast program participant for Mexico who, as she mentioned in the letter, married her husband and now lives in the United Kingdom. And I'm bringing all this up because she did email or tweeted us. Uh, she rearranged like 17 things on her schedule and she is flying in from the UK for our event, Retro no Magic. Way. Um, ah. She was one of the early ticket purchasers the the weekend, the week that they went on sale. So, an early thank you and to our Retro Magic community. You can find out more about Retro Magic at retromagic.org. But uh, it's September 30th and October 1st, being held down in Florida. 
Lots of great guests coming, but uh, if you see Claudia there, please introduce yourselves to her and say hello and make her feel welcome because that's amazing that we have somebody flying across the ocean to come that's great. and hang out with a bunch of cool dudes and us. What a commitment. I appreciate it. I am going to have to say, though, we did read her letter before. Yeah. Uh, well, then we're going to have to cancel this. We can only <laughs> read one letter per <laughs> That's only every 30 no, days. That's right. It's like, okay. it's like a sports call-in show. What? I'm sorry, caller. You only one call per week. All right, here we go. Another Disney Institute. Uh, Bob Smith wrote in. He says, hi, JT and team. I saw Brian's tweet asking to share experience, so I thought I'd send mine. Bob actually organized a leadership retreat at Walt Disney World for the company he was working with at the time. While we didn't stay at the Disney Institute, they actually stayed at uh, Coronado, scheduled the agenda so that each of us would be able to attend two sessions at the Institute. Uh, he did the Art of Disney Topiary and the Art of Disney Architecture. Uh, what's interesting to me is I'm very curious what company he worked for. I mean, it, it, I, I, I don't know. Those two seem so far out of left field, but maybe they didn't have anything that really related. Maybe they got to do one fun one and one, you know, official one. But he says the Topiary one was one of the most popular sessions. It was hands-on. Uh, everyone left with a living Topiary to tape, take home. It was about two and a half hours long, and it took place in a room that was designed for garden-related instruction. The price of the session, he thought, was about $70, included everything. There were about 30 people in the class and two instructors. Instructors were pleasant, knowledgeable, uh, and several people from his company attended. I remember laughing and smiling through the entire thing. So good team building, it sounds like. This was a great team building experience. There you go. He just said it. Uh, and then uh, none of the souvenirs survived, it sounds like. They, they didn't make it past the first few weeks which is a shame but hopefully you, you took some pictures Bob I wish the instructor then took them outside and taught them to wax on and wax off and sand the floor and paint the fence after teaching them how to sculpt little trees that was actually <laughs> one of the celebrity guests they promised <laughs> but never Ralph delivered Macho Mr. Miyagi <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he, he came after James Earl Jones and Martin Scorsese it was uh, finally, Art of Disney Architecture. He's a huge fan of architecture, and they got to do uh, incredibly excited to be in this offering. This was a two-hour driving tour. That's what I was looking for. So it was driving. <laughs> I can imagine doing the architecture thing and just staying on property at the Institute. So you have to go around Disney World. They got to drive from building to building, stepping out of the van at each destination for a short walk around the building being discussed. He was a bit disappointed, though, because uh, it was the plain old 15-passenger van, and we know what that is. He was hoping to tour the property in uh, one of the Disney transport buses, but that's just kind of how it goes. Finally, uh, he doesn't think he was a huge architecture fan uh, in general. He's talking about actually here his... Oh, gosh, I've, I've gotten completely lost now. <laughs> Hold on. I'm sorry, Todd. It's okay. The person leading the tours was pleasant, but that's about it. He didn't really seem to be an architecture fan, um, but he studied what had to be presented. It was on the level of the tours uh, offered at theme park in terms of quality and the information presented. Other than the white van, he really enjoyed the session. He's super sorry that the Institute is no more. At this point in his life, he'd really love to spend a few days immersed in this kind of learning for fun environment while being able to take advantage of everything Disney has to offer. 
So thanks, Bob, for that. I uh, appreciate that letter. It sounds like you had a good time there, though. I wish we had a year on that one. You didn't really say when he went. This could only have been one of three years. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to iron Just it. Just say when. you got 33% uh, chance. All right. Last one here. One more. This is from Eric Smith. Eric and his wife took their honeymoon to Disney in 1997. We had a package at the Disney Institute that included all of our meals way before there was dining packages. We could have had every meal at a table service restaurant if we wanted. In addition, it included a day at the Disney Institute. We each did a session in the morning. He did the computer animation session while his wife did a cooking session. Had sit-down lunch at what is now the Turf Club and then did a session at the afternoon. In the afternoon. At the time, the restaurant was named something else, and they were serving healthy food, if I remember correctly. It was interesting, but I think this was at the point where it was already dying. We certainly wouldn't have paid to go over there, but as a free included perk, it was something unique to do. So basically, it sounds like they were trying to get people there, like we talked about, and uh, they you know, had a vacation package, and it was like, hey, we're going to toss in with your honeymoon a day at the Institute to drum up some some visitors so still disappointed Um, we didn't get a letter from anybody who remembered going to dabblers the (laughs) the store oh yeah (laughs) just gonna dabble in this for a little while i know well that's that's eric uh he he, yeah he i was gonna say where he worked but i won't say that uh thanks eric i appreciate that letter and uh that's cool you did computer animation there i'd be curious if any of that still sticks like is that anything anybody does today how if he did computer animation in 1997 at the disney institute is that like all dead and gone i'm trying to think of what they would have put people on in 1997 yeah that's do you you think they had like a pixar machine there then because that was i mean those i mean pixar was the original machine those were so i mean those were so expensive yeah you know i'm trying to think 97 the hot things would have been like um indigos from sgi that's what they used on jurassic park you know the max the max had some 3d stuff yeah that was you know passable at that point but it still wasn't sophisticated at, at that point yet and and really accessible so I'm, I'm i'm actually really curious what they would have taught people on because i mean learning just the interface and like what what does what like in a 3d system is so complicated I can't imagine just in a in a day like sitting somebody down and being okay now start making something because you know depending yeah, there on had, there had to be a preset like saved program of objects or something yeah because you, could just you put start together because the model and then you got to rig it and build the skeleton system and put in the tolerances <laughs> of like how far the elbow can go and all that so you know there's a lot to it so. Buddy, you only got 30 minutes left. You better get this done. <laughs> right. You got cooking in 20 exactly. minutes here, you know? Yeah. And my gosh, the world is, I mean, the world of software has changed so much since then. You know, it's almost a miracle like Photoshop and that stuff is still pretty much exactly as it was at that point with just some new features added. 3D is like, it's a whole, and the computers would be so slow in I was just going to say, what, what the difference is now, everything's faster. Remember <laughs> yeah. when you were have to render something and it just be like i'll come back uh, in four hours you know even if you were like caught burning a dvd like ah, it'll be 45 minutes before that's right done, you know <laughs> oh my god i remember you just walk away or d- yeah. downloading <laughs> d- i remember downloading games you know or, or demos of games and things yeah on my 1900 9600 baud modem yeah 
hour and a half, I'm going to bed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not, for 90 well, megabytes or something the, ridiculous. What do, you, what do you think they did with the animation? They did something on a computer. They didn't take it home, I wouldn't think they were. They, they probably play, gave them a, just... a videotape of it yeah, or something like that yeah, to take with them. CD-ROM. Yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Do you want to do one more Disney yeah, Institute? Yeah, Keep sure. One. I mean, we got uh, a lot of feedback do, from that episode. Yeah, yeah. People, it, was a, one it was a hot one. All right. This is from Melva. Melva says, sorry I didn't see this yesterday before the show, um, but anyways, his parents attended, uh, or Melva's parents attended several classes there. The one I remember most was about growing your own topiary. God, oh, they, man. What, what is Disney doing? I mean, there, there's not many topiaries left, I feel like. I mean, there are, but like, gosh, everybody remembers this. This was like the Disney state. Yeah, right. It was the topiary. Um, maybe because the two small Mickey topiaries made the thousand mile road trip back to Philadelphia in the car. Took several gardening classes there with my mom. Some kind of bark board with an orchid. Whatever that means. The project didn't live long after the class, but the small building where the class was held was really cute. I've been unsuccessful in finding any photos of it online. Well, you know, same with us, Melva. We, we found what we found, and there just isn't... It's amazing that what didn't come out of there. Uh, totally different story, though, but I know you guys like old stories. We stayed at the Lake Buena Vista townhouses in 87 and 88. It was fun looking at overlays with Saratoga Springs today to figure out where things were. The area where the turf club is and the golf facility back then are like stepping back in time. Looking forward to the show about the Institute. So thanks, Melva. We appreciate that story. And another another topiary person. God, it makes you wonder, like, if they if you could see a graph or something of what classes were the most yeah, popular. Right. I feel like topiary oh, that would be had something. to be up there. You know, it's funny. And to this day, I, think, I don't know if they did them this year, but they made the topiary, the, the grow your own topiaries, which were kind of in the shape of All right. a, f- a figure. And they had a little bit of ivy on it. You take it home and grow. And you could also buy the wire frames for, like, 25 bucks or something. Um, and it's Noah's Ark Topiary.com is who supplied them. So if you go to, we're going to go there. Noah's Ark Topiary. Because, you know, if you've got an Ark, I think a Topiary is a very important thing to put in there. <laughs> so they have a buy one, get one free on everything at Noah's Ark Topiary. You always you get, two, you two, get a pair. Two you of each get a Topiary. So. It's like a Chia pet, like you could almost do. It's Yeah, that's exactly kind of what, what without the, you know, the. Uh, all right. Yeah. Well, you did. Guess what? I got one more. All right. It's the letter. It's the woodwork. endless mailbag show. Keep going. I think we've got everybody that attended the institute has emailed us. We're, there's <laughs> nobody left. All right. This is from Justin. Uh, great work on your episode. He was a teenage day visitor in the spring of '96 when he tried his hand out at traditional animation, stop motion animation, and. Not Topiary, the radio DJ course. The stop-motion course teamed up students to hastily produce a short story in a few hours, and the 2D animation course had us all animate something coming out of a box, which were then spliced together to make one collaborative short film. The DJ course put you in a professionally outfitted radio booth with a partner produce a segment for Radio Disney. No word on whether they broadcast those directly to Radio Disney cruises at Animal Kingdom. In all three classes... (laughs) Here we go, Brian. You left with a VHS or cassette tape of what you'd produced that day. And I found it very satisfying and encouraging as a young person wanting to get into entertainment. I was as thrilled as that old lady on top of the rock wall. There we go. (laughs) To my teenage self, the campus felt like a nursing home or a weird adult spa. I didn't really get it. But the actual classrooms were inspiring to be in and felt legit. 
I was shocked to hear you mention that they compl the complimentary transportation for day guests because that time it was really hard to get there. And I remember walking all the way from the village marketplace. When I was even younger, I also participated in the Wonders of Disney World Creative Arts Program, which took you around the Magic Kingdom to teach about design, art, and architecture. I'd love to learn more about the history of that program if you ever do a show on it. All right, go. Justin. Thank you. That's going to close the mailbag unless you guys have any. I, I, want to know what he, I want to know what he did with his life. Is he a DJ or is he an animator now? Like, yeah. He he doesn't have a signature on his email right. to say, but he does show us the uh, day visitor, March 15th, 1996. Gosh, he was there. Well, maybe that was right there around yeah. then, at spring break that yeah. year. Oh, look at that. Maybe you That's guys crossed paths. Yeah. Yeah. Could well, I did. Rock I, wall together. Noah's Ark is now the Moss and Vine Moss and Vine Topiary .com. They are still there. They actually are at the Epcot uh, Flower and Garden Festival here in 2023. Oh. You can go on their website. You can browse and buy anything. They have ones that are called Mouse, which you know who that looks like. Uh, but they have all from snails and butterflies, airplanes, dinosaurs. In fact, you can recreate most of Walt Disney World here. I see a swan. I see a dolphin. I see a camel. You name it, they've got the animals, and you can buy them in uh, three different forms. Let you can buy the question. Do yeah. You, do, do you know any people who have topiary? No, I on might the, put on their I'm, properties. I don't know, but I'm I'm kind of tempted to put one in my garden now. But so you can buy the frame. You can buy it stuffed with the material to grow on it, or you can buy it with a planted where so it's just starting. It's got all the stuff in the frame, and they range anywhere from twenty five to two hundred dollars. So there you go. Hmm. I think we should price. get a swan and dolphin and grow it now and look really, really great at the uh, Retro Magic. <laughs> Just put that in there. Could you? Who's going to bring it down? Can you take them apart oh. and recombine them and make a swalfin? You, well, you could. Yeah, you could. You could do that. Hedge clippers not included. What What would the Swan Reserve topiary look like? Just a box? <laughs> it's just a box. Just, yeah. just a box. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, check it out. MNV, um, I'm sorry, mossandvinetopiary.com. Which is what Noah's Ark topiaries were. Is there a right Noah's there. Arcade site as well? Oh. You can hang out with Wayne and Garth. Very nice. Very nice. Remember special times with special friends in a special world where the magic never ends. Now at a touch of paradise that everyone can share. All right, well, it's time to move on to our main topic here where we said we'd be talking about the DVC. And before we get into that, gentlemen, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about mid-'80s and any experiences we had in timeshares. I'm going to tell you a little story first. So we had a very good friend of ours that lived across the street, and he told my family, that we're going to see a timeshare, and I... I you know, we were near the Poconos, so Poconos are a lot of timeshares. I forget where it was. And my father's like, I'm never going to do this. My mom father was always against timeshares. I'm never going to do this. And they didn't go, but their friend did. The friend comes back, and, and he said, "I, it, you're getting a grandfather clock. I'm going. I'm going to get a grandfather clock. If I sit there for three hours and get the spiel and the pitch about the property, is that I have no intention. So he goes. Well, he comes back. Well, day or two later, you know, did the whole thing. And my father says, how did it go? Did you get your grandfather clock? He says, I did. Except it was flat packed. It was cardboard and you got to put it together and had a double A battery to keep it going. 
<laughs> so you had to punch it out of cardboard and assemble. But they gave you a grandfather clock. They didn't say it was made that out. Sounds about right. Uh, yeah, it's funny to me that that, I mean, I get that that would be an attraction for some people. Right. The thing I remember the most, and my parents never remotely would have done anything like this, uh, but I remember the promise was always either a 19-inch color TV or a VCR mm. if you oh. went and sat through the program and stayed the weekend or whatever it was that uh, that you would you would get yeah. a 19-inch TV or a VCR. You have to go a on a tour, yeah, mid mid to late eighties, four or five hundred dollar item, and and you know you go on the tour, and you just have to keep keep saying no, 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 and the the thing was that people would always say is that it was they just constantly pestered you, and they practically wouldn't let you out, and were just chasing you around, and timeshares got a really kind of a bad rap. Um, how what, did you have any experiences? No, or stories? No, no. I mean, we I lived mean, in Florida, so. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I did do it once. Uh, you did you go know, when you hold uh, hotel branded credit cards. You, as yes. you probably know, Todd, you get solicited fairly often. Yep. And I, I still get them in the mail. Where I had one I'm today for Marriott. Yeah, yeah. I so this was before Marriott bought Starwood. Uh, they had the they have the two resorts down there, the Sher- Sheridan Resorts uh, near Disney World, and I, you know would go every year Memorial Day weekend when we stopped doing our weekend, doing our summers at the shore 10 plus years ago. And so I got solicited over the winter and it was the three nights or four nights, whatever it was for two ninety nine or some, some rate, but you would get like a full, you know, kitchen, living room. Yeah. One bedroom uh, apartment basically. And it was the newer of the, there's the original Sheridan resort that's down there. I forget what they're called. And then this newer one that they built over near Daryl Carter Parkway, which is why I remember where it was, because I every day I would drive over Daryl Carter Parkway <laughs> and then had to read about who Daryl Carter was, because that's me. And uh, anyway, so I went to the uh, to the to the, you know, went to check in and their only requirement was that you needed to sit through a 90 minute presentation Um. And you were not permitted to do it on your first or last day. So, and I scheduled the time and went and uh, met with the guy that schedules the times. And so I scheduled it for a day that I think the day before I was checking out. And I said, all right, I'll do it this day at 10 o'clock in the morning or whatever. And the guy was like, I am getting ready to retire. Like, I I don't care if you buy or not. I just need to schedule you. I said, okay. (laughs) So he scheduled me and uh, I went up to their, their, you know, presentation suite and the guy sits there, you know, very energetic guy, the kind of guy that like talks into joining a gym and explains to me all of the benefits of owning a timeshare. And I have long, as we'll talk about tonight, have marveled at how stupid I think timeshares are that (laughs) I don't understand why I would give you like $20,000 or $15,000 now for future hotel stays. Why don't I just pay for those stays when the time comes and I have my money now, you don't have my money now. Exactly. And, uh, so he goes through this whole thing and it was, you know, you get these points and you can use them here and use them there. And they, you know, you take, take them to Hawaii or go stay in Japan or go, 
And I'm sitting there, and at one point he leaves the room, and of course they give you nothing in, in writing. It's he's, he's scratching things on a piece of paper. And I took a picture of the paper mm-hmm. uh, that, that he had written all of the numbers on. And I don't remember what it was. It was like fifteen, nineteen thousand $19,000, something like that. And you, they would bill you $500 a month for five years or something and finance it. Uh, but at the end of the day... You know, I was like, this is not for me. And I'll never forget getting to the point where he says, you know, so after it's like 45 minutes of the benefits of vacation and how great they are for your well-being and what a great. And he's like, uh, so what do you think? And I was like, I, I'm no, I'm really not interested in, you know, committing to one brand or anything like this. And then, of course, they they're prepared for your nose. Sure. Sure. So they have the it's like trying to cancel cable. There's there's an instant like <laughs> book they go to where there's the, the answers. Okay, what did he say? Uh, yeah. And I don't remember, but I, you know, but it was like, you know, oh. well, there's it's very flexible and you can use your points, you can trade your points for other things and mm-hmm. you can go to Colorado or you can like, whatever you decide if you're saving up for a big trip for a honeymoon, you know, you can save up your points for 2 years and go eh. And I just said, "No, nah, I don't I don't think I'm interested." And he says, "Well, why not?" And I said, "I just don't think it's for me i'm you know i I prefer to kind of make my decisions when the time comes i don't want to commit to anything ahead of time yeah and he kind of like put his hands on the table says okay then and he like packed up and uh, went out to tell like his supervisor i wasn't buying and then she came in and offered me like a one-year sample thing for like four hundred dollars or five hundred dollars where I would get to come back for another stay. Um, something like, I forget what it was. Whatever it was, when I got home, I agreed to it to get like an extra 10,000 Starwood points, which were really valuable back then. Uh, but I did exercise like my 120-day option to cancel and only lose like the 100. But basically I bought 10,000 points for 100 bucks or whatever it was. Right, right. Uh, and I, you know, I got out of there and didn't buy a timeshare, but they got some uh, bucks. Out it, of you. you know, and I, I sat through the thing and, yeah. you know, and now every now and then I get it and, you know, with the price of hotels now, I'm like, oh, I don't know, 300 yeah. bucks for five nights. Like, should I, shouldn't I? And I, and I right. always throw it in the trash. Yep. Yep. So uh, this person did a one-on-one sales session with you? Mm-hmm. Oh my percent hundred percent. You go up and they had a whole like, um, uh, floor. Uh, in the one building and basically you sat down in a in a waiting room uh, i got a deal you know like you. you're at a car dealership <laughs> yeah. and then they they take wow. they took me back into a into his office and he sits there and kind of opens up the folder and is showing me all these beautiful resorts they have all over the world and t- yeah it was it's, it's almost like when you go and you pick up your new car and they're like you need the wheel protection you yeah. need the nitrous oxide in the tires. You need the ceramic coat. So not, you, you just blew fifty thousand yeah. dollars on this car. Let's tack on another eight thousand dollars. When I bought this this car I have now, which is the only brand new car I've ever mm-hmm. purchased in my life, uh, I you know I'm finished making the deal with the guy out front, and then he said, you know, I take you back to our finance and sales manager, and he's going to go through some options with you. And I, as soon as I sat down with the guy, I said. I will let you sit here and tell me whatever you want. I just want you to know ahead of time I'm not buying any of these things. Yeah. I don't want extra protection. I don't want paint protection. I don't want tire protection. I don't want an extended warranty on anything. Yeah. 
Yep. I said, you, you you have the best, you know, Hyundai's have the best warranty in the business. The engine's guaranteed for 100,000 miles. Exactly. You know, everything else in the car is 60,000 miles. Like, if it starts to go wrong after that, I don't need to buy anything extra. Like, that's it. And, well, he's, and he humored me. And he's yeah. like, all right. You know, he went through each thing. And he says, but I know you don't want this. I said, you're right. Yep. And look, that's the view that the time share industry back then had and still does have to this day. But there's a great little quote here. I uh, This comes from the Miami Herald in 1986. We're going to rewind the clocks back a little further. Uh, but this was Chuck Cobb, um, chairman and chief executive officer of Arvida, which we'll talk about in a second. And they said to him, should Disney get into the timeshare business? And he said, I think it should. And it says, although timeshares suffers from a great deal of consumer skepticism, Goodkin said that people trust the Disney name. If a Disney company salesman lies, his nose grows, right? So think about that. All of a sudden you have a company here that is built on trust and family fun, getting into, and I want to say almost like Walt, cleaning up an industry, right? In a way, cleaning up the amusement park industry, cleaning up the timeshare, or at least doing it differently. There's still sketchy amusement parks and there's still sketchy timeshares, uh, so I, I thought that was really interesting. When I read that, I immediately thought of these sketchy, you know, sales pitches. Um, but we do turn the clocks back to 1984 with Arvida. Um, Arvida was a, a development company. And I believe it or not, in May 17th, uh, 1984, Disney announced that they were going to purchase them for $200 million in stock um, from its owners. And uh, the owners were the Bass Brothers of Texas. Uh, you may have heard that name before of a, you know, obviously large you know, builders and, and, and investors. They were on the board. They yeah. On the Disney ex- board. Yep. Um, and they thought it was a way to thwart a takeover bid. There was all these different things. But this was the first inkling that, you know, Disney, which became, it became the uh, Disney Development Company, uh, that they were interested in, you know, doing things. Now, Disney wound up uh, divesting the later on. They sold it, I think, in 1987. Um, so just a few a few years later, they wound up selling it to uh, JMB Realty uh, for 404 million. So you know, they spent something on it. They probably broke even. They probably did okay. Um, but this is the first idea here. You know, before Eisner's really in there doing his thing and starting out that Disney decade. Uh, that's indicative of Disney wanted to get into something more than just theme parks um so and i'm going to catch my notes here because there's a lot of different things i'm going through these different clips and i have them news clippings i got them in yeah brian i think you even i know in one of our older episodes you'd mentioned one of the things that the bass brothers told eisner was like look you're sitting on all this property do something with it well that was their big thing you have you know 43 square miles you have to develop you have to monetize it you know so they wanted them the more hotels all that you know all that expansion was pushed by them uh, to great, great effect. So here we are in the Orlando Sentinel, 1985. And uh, this is a, a real estate consortium commenting that Disney's plans in general with development could have a chilling effect on two markets, timeshare apartments and moderately priced at hotels. And they were actually talking with Disney about what they were going to do and how it would affect social, um, central Florida um, and, you know, would they be attracting timeshares and, and stuff like that? Um, so in those t- talks, 
Eisner did confirm that he was talking with several hotel, hotel companies, including Hyatt and Marriott, Marriott about hotel development. Um, and he wouldn't really elaborate too much more on other things. And they said, oh, they've got other hotel pads that they could build on. Um, it's funny. I read one thing that said they've got three pads around Seven Seas Lagoon. And I was like, okay, this is this was post-Grand Floridian. And I'm trying to think what they were referring to, that true pads that they could build on. But, you know, this is almost 40 years ago now. So how you look like you're about to say something. I'm just trying to think. So there's, they still have the site of the Persian. They still have the site of the, the Mediterranean slash Venetian. Right. So that's two. I and saw something referencing one next to wilderness. So maybe they're thinking the Buffalo, Buffalo Junction. Oh yeah. That maybe would, that's that, the yeah, third that makes one. Sense too. Yep. They specifically mentioned seven seas lagoon. And that's where I said, eh, I'm not, not thinking supposedly right, there's, there is that, there's a chunk of land between the ticketed transportation center and where the, um, where the Mediterranean was supposed to go. That's also potentially buildable. Uh, and then I guess we'd also have to know whether the, um, whether the wedding pavilion was already in existence at the time that this, uh, that this, that article was written. Cause in theory, you could have put something where the wedding pavilion was too. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Fair enough. And look, hey, we anything's a pad as long as you can knock it down, right? <laughs> the luau's gone. It's it's a pad. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, any, yeah. depending on the size that you you know that you want to build it, it's like yep. You could. I mean, I'm, I drove by, by the uh, the DBC Polynesian expansion the other day, and it's not a huge piece of land. It's no, it's, it's relatively not small. Yeah. So that's why yeah, you build you, up, right? Yep. If, if their plan was to build up, they could have certainly put a small boutique hotel there. No problem at all where the wedding pavilion is now. So we're now in uh, October 1986. There's an article here in the Miami News, and it says the company is pondering a variety of other projects that could include Disney's first timeshare resort. And uh, so there's this the kind of thing going on here. And uh, Cobb, um, I'm trying to see who Cobb was. But anyway, all right, I'm going to skip that. I'm just going to say uh, it basically says if the timeshare venture is approved, it would be revolutionary with a new design and different marketing. So keep that in, keep that in mind. All right. So now we're Brian, you know, this, you know, this paper, the Asbury Park Press. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, as an article. Readings from Asbury Park, New Jersey. That's right. Very famous postcard. Uh it's June 25th, 1989. Timeshare's poor reputation appears to rebound. And it's going through how different corporations, including Disney and Marriott and others, are looking into the way that, um, you know, timeshares are, are, are sold. And it says timeshare's reputation is absolutely improving. So the, the silliness that we talked about in the 70s and 80s is starting to improve here. Um, and at this point, it had grown to a $2 billion industry. So there's no reason why Disney, you know, would, wouldn't want to get into this. Um, and uh, one third of all the timeshare sales in Florida were in Orlando. So it says right here in their article, it's no surprise that Disney Development Corp has been investing in the timeshare industry for the past two years. So this is really now we're, we're now we're getting into into the meat of it and uh, come you know, here we are in, in 1990 when things are really starting to take off. So this is the start of the Disney decade. And before we really get into this, I do have to give a shout out. When 
how we've talked about this before, Brian, I think you've done some research. When we come across some articles or places that have done so much research, we want to call them out because we're not going to sit here and just read their stuff, but they've done so much research that it helps us go through it and put it together. So this is dvcinfo.com that has this fantastic year-by-year account of DVC almost up until now. Um, and really, I mean, they've got clips and quotes, and we're, we're just going to touch on some of the different things that went on during you know DVC being built. So check it out. If, you, if you're excited in this, there's plenty to read uh, on here. So, But um, Disney Decade, right? What, what's, what's Eisner going to do? He's going to build hotels. This is when we got all, all the different things that what caribbean beach and and um uh well actually that was built already right we had that was coming we had um that was just, that opened the same year as the dvc was both yeah yeah no that's yeah. right caribbean beach opened like Little, 88 or 89 something, like, something that. like that yeah but you had the grand floridian and all, all the yep. you know uh riverside and and port Orleans, all that stuff kicked off so yeah but those, this those opened in 90 yeah so um they wanted to add 12,000 hotel rooms to Orlando in the next seven years and uh, really wanted, they said they want to have diversity in the product. So Orlando Sentinel reports in November 1990 that the site work had started. Um, and uh, it was right around the, the front nine of the Lake Buena Vista golf course, uh, which we know now is where Disney's old Key West is. Now we've created a terrific new way for you and your family to enjoy your fun times. The Disney Vacation Club. I do want to mention before you go further, since we were talking about Orlando being, you know, where the majority of timeshares were Mm -hmm. before Disney built this in Florida. um, We got an email that I remember. uh, We're nine years now on this podcast. Sometime in the last nine years. Somebody sent us an email suggesting or asking if we could do an episode or tell them more about the Sheridan Vistana Resort, which was the original timeshare resort, the very first one built uh, in the vicinity of Disney. I want to say late 70s. Um, Okay. I want who if the person is listening, I want you to know I haven't forgotten about that. And we would have read your letter as part of this episode. But it's on an email system that predates the one that we use now. And all of those emails have been archived. And so Todd is the only one that can actually search for them. And I didn't tell him to do that before this episode. But I do want that person to know that I remember your email. And I've been thinking about it throughout this episode. Well, we can do a follow-up on the next episode. We, we can. Deep, we deep, can. Deep but, research. You know, so. if, if you're out there, if you just want to forward it to us from like yeah. seven or eight years ago... I think that's what, I'm I think able that's to dig it up said. somewhere too. Um, so in 1991, the, the the construction bid started coming in for for the DVC, and I think with tell me tell me if you guys understand this. This is from the Orlando Sentinel. The club, i.e., Disney Vacation Club, isn't taking the usual timeshare approach in which people purchase slices of a property, usually in weekly increments. The Disney project involves memberships. Aren't aren't we doing the same? Aren't we buying a slice of? Pro- <laughs> you buying a slice of property? I mean, maybe not the weekly part, if, right? If you look at and I watched the 1992 uh, video uh, mm-hmm. promotional video for DVC. Hi, I'm Lisa, and welcome to the Disney Vacation Club at Walt Disney World Resort. 
To become one of our members, you purchase a real estate interest in the Disney Vacation Club until the year 2042. With this real estate interest, you'll receive an annual allotment of vacation points. Using these vacation points is easy, and they're designed for flexibility. You can use them to make reservations for different sizes of accommodations, in different seasons of the year, for different lengths of stay at the Disney Vacation Club Resort, all based on availability, of course. I, I want to say in the original version of the timeshare, you were actually buying a particular, buying into a particular unit and a particular building. So in, you, in most places, yes, yeah. that's correct. So I think Disney's idea was, oh, you have a home resort, but we are not assigning you, you know, room twenty-seven is not your in room building forever. Three, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's I, it's and okay. Then you get the points, and then you can use the points to. It was a, a purely point-based system rather than actually having a deed to a particular unit in it. Sure, a, sure. So sure. I think that was Disney's difference between the, the old way and the new way. And it's a, it's a now, I have the, the opening price here. Do you have that? Uh, not not yet. Well, I, ha I have some stuff. We're going to get to that in a little bit. I wanted to You're not ready. Yeah, don't don't give us prices yet, JT. Yeah. He's got to sell us. No, no, I got to no. sell this to man. It's a beautiful thing. No, I was just say I saw 50 years. That's what yeah, I okay, see. Yeah, okay, the first one, 50. And I think someone went to 30. So, all right. So here's a little quiz for you. The Disney Vacation Cub logo features what three Earth features? Without mountains, looking it up. Mountains. Okay. Water. Yeah. And I remember a sun. Well, Mickey's but, but the sun, yeah. I, I guess, guess that's not did. really a feature. I'm trying to think yeah. what the other skis. One is. No, basketball. I, I looked it up. That's oh, JT's just, he's, yeah, he's got Go too much stuff. Go ahead and just give the answer, JT. It was po three, three palm, palm, palm trees. trees. Palm, palm trees. Oh, oh. And what did the three signify, well, Todd? I don't know, because what's interesting is they later went to two. <laughs> so it started with three mountains. What's the significance? I don't, I don't know. know. It started with three mountains, and we're going to find out later on. They changed You have something to, to share with the group, Amazing Larry? <laughs> <laughs> so... But we get our plans in 1991. We've got a logo. Come down and see the Disney Vacation Club, um, which was later referred to as the Conk Flats until it later got its old Key West name. But it was the Disney Vacation mm. Club initially. Um, they had a sales center uh, that was in there. And it was going to it was the first of three different DVC sales centers. Did anybody know where the second and third were? Think 90s. No. You got to think 90s. Where was, where was the first one? First one was it? Oh, just at, there on property. Just on property, and then okay. they built two more on property. Certainly, there had to be one at Lake Buena Vista in the shopping no. center. No, believe it. No, Magic Kingdom. Uh, nope. Okay. Um, this was before really they got into putting those kiosks nearly all right, everywhere. So right. May, maybe the Grand Floridian. No, they okay. put it on the properties where they were developing it. So they, later on, they put one at Boardwalk. And they put the other oh. one put at Saratoga Springs, which is still there today. That's their that's their big one. Okay. Over at Saratoga Springs is the is the one that made it's the big it one. It is the big one. Here it comes. So but they had a clubhouse. You're talking about years later. I mean the boardwalk didn't open. Yes, yes, yes. This isn't for now. I'm sorry. I feel like that's a trick question. We were uh, thinking right. like, well, oh, like, like, all right, all right, all right. We'll, we'll, we can take that <laughs> out. Yeah. So they would make you go if you wanted to learn anything, they would they would make you go to the main place to the get main the place. lowdown. There was an oh, that's interesting. And that's where I got this whole pocket will, packet will go through, which is postmarked 
93. So I'm not allowed to open it yet until we get the 93. And then we'll take a look at this packet that my grandfather got. We're only in 91 right now. So he's going to break that paper seal here in a moment. So they had a couple different phases of the resort. Um, You know, they had upwards of, you know, a handful of buildings. And they created what they called the DVC Preview Center that opened up in 1991 uh, and was renamed to the Commodore House just a few months later. Um, So it was uh, kind of a. Overlook the pond. You got a movie presentation. From the moment that you arrive, you'll feel the warmth of old Key West hospitality in a resort that's simply first class in every way. Stroll down colorful turtle crawl boardwalk and an array of recreational opportunities awaits you. There's our tropical feature pool, complete with frolicking dolphins. Kids will love Sandcastle Beach. You can navigate a boat around Trumbo Canal, play tennis on one of our lighted courts, or work out in our Nautilus-equipped fitness center. Or you can simply relax and unwind. You might enjoy a good book and quiet conversation in the comfort of Papa's Den. So they had a sales video on a loop. The model building was conveniently right next door. Um building 16 and then if, if anybody's curious but uh had this the ngs everybody remember the antique yellow bus that would be under there oh yeah had, yeah that was yeah. parked there so that was that was big and it was you know it's funny i never got a key west feel but calling it the the conch house the, you know the, or the commodore house and the conch flats they really were trying to pitch that but i think when they built that they really didn't know what they wanted it to to be and really what theming but it, it did kind of have a southern uh, i guess feel. Uh, it was an it was an old Florida yeah. um, kind of thing that they were going for. I mean, kind of the fascinating thing about Key West when you go there is that there's not really a lot of consistency in the the styles. You know, I, I think what we think of as, of, of as a Key West house is more likely the kinds of housing that they built at, um, oh, I'm trying to think what that housing development is up in North Florida on the shore but hang on yeah let me find the name seaside is the name of the okay of the so uh, so there was this in north florida there was this, you know right on the panhandle there was this big development called seaside and it was done with the colorful you know pastel housing and it, it was really a big deal it was a huge development at the time when it opened and now i should look up and see what that time was because i have a feeling seaside probably heavily influenced um, what went on there because it was such such a big deal um, but if you go to Key West there's not a lot of what we consider Key West style homes around which is <laughs> typically the metal roofs the pastel colored things I mean Key, Key West is a, such a it's a, it's a mi- hodgepodge it is you it's know, a there's, real <laughs> there's craftsman houses and there's modern houses and there's you know and there's no beach right <laughs> I always tell people I'm like hey, I'm going to Key West I'm like you do know there's no beach right like it's all rocks. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot yeah. going on there. there. I mean, there's a a small beach if you go in some place, but yeah. really, yeah, there's there's little coves and stuff, but yeah. in general, it's you know, it's it's bars and dining and you know, beautiful weather. Yep. So okay, so the so the plan for seaside was completed in '85. So I'm guessing Seaside probably came online 87, 88, and then everyone's like, hey, look at that thing. We need some of that. 
Yeah, because um, there's a lot, a lot more of a Bahamian Bermuda feel right. to those to that style. Style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's much more Caribbean in nature than it is um, Florida. Right. Up until after they built these kinds of places, <laughs> then other places in Florida emulated it. That's right. right. Uh, uh, and it was used for the 1988 movie, The Truman Show. That was all right. That was well, now I guess I have there. to visit there and there we go. say good morning to everybody. And in the case I don't see you, yeah. good afternoon, yeah. good evening, mm-hmm. and good night. It there is it is a lovely place. I have been there, uh, taking pictures of the architecture and stuff, and it is it is quite nice. It's you know this beautiful sort of like pseudo fake Victorian uh, homes everywhere, multi story, big porches, you know. Very yeah. white picket fences, the whole, the whole, like, sounds like celebration. Movie. Yeah. yeah. I think celebration wished it was that in some ways. <laughs> um, true. In a big bubble. Yeah. Always blue sky. But, I, but that's where, and then there's a lot of naming of things like the, the turtle crawl that's from Key West. So there, there was a lot of the name, uh, place names from Key West that were put into the old Key West resort to gotcha. kind of give it that, that feel. It's gotcha. kind of like that. I mean, that was consistent with that altered reality of, uh, you know, Disney taking the California coastal Coronado Coronado Inn <laughs> right. and turning that into the Grand Floridian Victorian Resort, you know, which had nothing to do with Florida or Florida architecture and saying this is old Florida, you know. Yeah. Uh, they just kind of adapted it to their needs. Yeah, absolutely, and um, and the the style of the graphic design, which I love, all of the logos and things that were done, the gurgling suitcase, all those, yeah. that was all done uh, in from the style of a of a place called the Charles Spencer Anderson Company, which was from Minneapolis, which happened to be a huge, like a big trend in graphic design at the time. So that you know, sort of like nineteen thirties, like old throwback, was really. A lift from this CSA stuff that was really popular at that at that particular time. Yeah. But it works, you know. That's it the thing. Works. It all yeah. it all works. It's it. You get here's the thing. For if you've never been to Key West, you walk there, and it instantly feels like you're in Key West. So you know. Yeah. You keep, get the, you check the right box. exactly. Check the box. Like well done. Feels good. Well, what did, what did Marty Sklar tell us about World Showcase? When you walked into them, they were. Those countries were meant to evoke what you expected to find there. Yes. If you walked into Italy or Germany, not necessarily what you would actually find in Italy or Germany. Except yeah. near the case of my grandmother, when she would, I'd be watching a travelogue by, about the real Germany, really, and she'd go, hey, that looks just like Epcot. <laughs> like that mission accomplished. They nailed it. Yeah, they did it. They did it. All right, well, it is the 20th anniversary of Walt Disney World now. It's late 1991, and JT on cue, they go on sale. What did they cost? What did they start at? Uh, let me go back to my notes here. Uh, 11000 bucks, yeah, I think. Yeah, 11730 uh, And they said that it'll be anywhere between that and 15500 Now, if anyone wants to get the inflation calculator. Doing it right now. I th- knew you would be. You knew somebody would be. What are we looking at? 1991, are we saying here? Yeah. Yeah. 11730 Yep. Is $26,000 now. $26,126. Okay, 26, and then they wanted an annual fee of 500 for maintenance. 500 would Ta- be... 
eleven hundred dollars now. Eleven. Yeah. Okay, and that was times fifty years. So you had twenty five thousand dollars in dues. So you had fifty years. You had thirty six thousand dollars, and then if you financed it, and yeah. granted, those we know it wasn't five hundred flat for fifty years, right? Right. It, it goes up every year. So we're going to get into the money in a bit. Doesn't work. We know why they sell it. You don't sell these things if they don't work for the seller. <laughs> you sell them because they make sure. the company money. Are you not telling me the house always wins, Todd? The mouse always wins at this <laughs> oh, case. Oh, <laughs> he tossed that softball up yeah, there. Yeah, it was now, an easy one. All right. Is it true that, it, and I know this has changed over the years. Back then, did you get like free park admission? I, oh, that I can tell you. This is amazing. That I can tell you because in the first promo video they did for it, they were included until 1999 so for your uh, for, well, to get people to buy yeah so what what happened was depending on what you rented or owned or used your points for if you if you got like a, a studio or a one bedroom it gave you admission for two people but if you got like a two bedroom or a three bedroom they would give you admission for up to four people included you know park hoppers uh, in the initial, you know, eight year run, yep. Until you hit ninety nine, and then uh, so you got eight years of park admission. And that was their pitch. Now it may have extended beyond that. I don't know. We're not finished the episode. So yet, that but. sounds a little better. Like that's not the the. I mean, my my take before we go through all this is it was initially it was a very good deal. In those first couple of years when they were really pushing it, they, they, they laid on the incentives and you could quantify in dollars the value of, well, well, versus paying to stay at the places, we're making a good investment, Martha. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, and progressively over 20 years, I mean, they just chipped away at all these different yeah. advantages. Yeah. So you got 230 points with that. So I'm sure we have DVC owners and DVC users and DVC buyers out there. Feel free to comment because this is where a lot of us, we're not tuned into what the going rates are. And, you and know, I, also I know a little say, bit about the points and all that. Uh, before we get into our own takes on yes. these is why we, no one is judging anyone. No. I know a lot of DVC owners. I know people who own multiple DVCs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, they have several contracts. Um, in fact, I sent Todd in the group an article yesterday from someone yeah. on the points guy who just wrote a guest combo, how they bought two contracts because they've done this math where if they resell it, it pays for itself, um, based on a bunch no, of, you got to spend a lot of factors. Yes. Are you saying, well, we'll get to that in a minute. So yeah. here's the other interesting thing. So it does. So say please that- don't write us nasty emails. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, I no. bought it. You're calling me stupid. No, nope, it, no, you're, you're, you have you know. to do what is right for you and where you want a vacation. Different people have different things and people put their money. You're investing in, in memories and you're investing in fun. That's completely fine. It's a different type of investment. Anyway. So uh, marketing will be low key. This is from uh, another article. There were two booths at the Magic Kingdom, one at Epcot, the distributed. But here's the interesting thing. No grandfather clocks. No gifts or incentives will be nope. offered just for going through the preview center and hear the pitch. Uh, now, I do remember, and DVC owners and people who did this recently, maybe five, six years ago, they would give you some fast passes if you went through. So they have changed that a little bit. They'd give you a little. We got lunch. You got, got lunch? Like meal vouchers. I was going to say, I seem to get... remember at some point 
getting pitch that you get like a dinner ticket or something yeah some meal value yeah we did the thing and we get, they picked us up at the resort the whole deal then we got the uh yeah that like lunch in the theme park the next day sorry do you remember what you ate jt you know i don't i could <laughs> no i don't think my mom would remember <laughs> I, I don't remember where we went that day but it was, hot dog remember, mac yeah. and cheese and applesauce it was a sit down. It was that I was old now. I was in like middle school when we did it. So, steak and bourbon. <laughs> That's right. Put hair <laughs> in my chest. Uh, so the other thing it just talks about uh, Brian, what you said, where they got the free admission, and then also they had a fifteen day grace period. So basically, you had a cool off period of fifteen days where you could yeah. get your money back. Like, oh crap, what did we do now? Oh gosh, she may have making that. Call. I gotta, t- I gotta tell you a funny. <laughs> I feel like they didn't let that. Happen. I gotta tell you a funny little story. We have our lake house uh, up in northern New Hampshire, and we've learned a little bit about the history. It was, it was um, developed by um, some Boston development company, and they would go up there, and they had a very interesting way of selling the property. We just learned this recently. Uh, they had ads in the Boston Globe. Come up here, you know, for fifty dollars, we'll put you up. Come see this. Come buy the land. It's a fantastic investment. They had about 1,100 lots to sell, and they put a pool up at the top of one of the mountains overlooking the three lakes, and it was built by an Austrian company of one-inch thick steel, and it cantilevered out over the cliff. So when you were in the pool, you were looking over. The pool's unfortunately no longer there, but they would take you up there. They had a lounge. They had a lodge. Here's a drink, Mr. Bowers. I want to talk to you about this land. We're going to go see it. Guten Tag. Yes, they drive. It's called Edelweiss Village. Yeah, all of our roads are named like Buxom Furline, Interlaken, giant forty-ounce beers. You know, so they give you a drink. They bring you down, down, downstairs or down the hill. They show you this wonderful property. It's right on the water, and you think, oh my gosh, three thousand dollars. This is amazing. Bring you up. You're in the pool. The kid. They wanted couples. They wanted couples. And you go up there and you're in the pool, the pen's in your hand, you've got another whiskey drink, you sign, and you're like, oh, this is fantastic. You go home, Mr. Miles comes up the next day, they re- lather the rinse, repeat, they show him the same property that Hal just purchased. And Mr. Couser sees the same property the next day that he just purchased. A lot of these people go away, we got property, they never invest it, they, or they when they finally do come up and investigate, I got a property that's in the woods that has a giant boulder that needs to be blasted. So you never really knew what property you were purchasing for the first couple of years. They were just selling the same lot over and over and over, but changing out the contract of what you actually purchased, which was crazy. In fact, we found out that a lot of lots up there, the 1100, most of them are, I shouldn't say most, but a fair number of them are unbuildable. About 600 lots have been since developed. It's a very large piece of property. Don't get me wrong. This isn't like a city. Um, And uh, yeah, and, and they also promoted water skiing and all these different things on the lake. And they, they had basketball courts and all sorts of stuff. And then the kicker was they said, oh, see this parking lot? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's where the stables are going, and the horses will take you up the mountain. They never had an intention of building stables or anything. So, anyway, I thought that was a funny little story it's of what's how in the contract versus, versus what what's they in tell the pitch, you. you know? Exactly. So, anyway, they didn't have the 15 days uh, they build a remorse period either. there. <laughs> there was no Persian <laughs> area. So,. All right, so where the magic never ends is the tagline, and um, we have some. I'm, I'm gonna. Well, we're not in 1993 yet, but I will pull some things out here. Is that because wanna, the payments are ongoing? 
That's right. That's right. The magic. The, the pain, pain never. No, the payments do end because <laughs> yeah. we're only allowed to finance. Was it over five years? I think five. Yeah, something like that. You had you had to have deep pockets. Uh, Wait, so, so I'm, I'm going to show you these because my grandparents got these. These were the renderings that were handed to them. So it's the renderings of the. I go, yeah, these are on glossy Kodak paper. Right here's nice, a rendering nice. of the resort. That looks uh, right. This last that looks one. right. And then the inside of you know of the studio and stuff. Um, the Disney Vacation Club gives you the flexibility to choose from four sizes of accommodations. Our spacious deluxe studio is the perfect choice for couples and small families. It offers two queen-size beds and comfortably sleeps four. Enjoy sunny afternoons and cool evenings out on your own private patio. The deluxe studio also offers a color television, mini refrigerator, microwave oven, a wet bar, and a full-size bath. Our spacious one and two bedroom vacation homes provide your family with the convenience of a home away from home. Interesting enough, the studios that you're thinking about today are not the studios back then. The studios now are very long. These were kind of a triangular trapezoidal type studio. Um, which was which was very interesting, and because they could be accessed from the outside, they could kind of cut them off from one bedroom. They were sort of small. Yeah, uh, the, the, and, and they're showing like two twin beds. It looks like I, th- yeah. I think it's more like two small queens. But I, oddly enough, although I never bought uh, DVC, I got to stay in those during the first years quite often because my girlfriend's parents always rented those when they went over because they would bring over several people, and so I got to I got to stay in those Key West. Uh, quite a few of those Key West things. Fun, uh, funnily then. enough, all of the reviews I read now are that the old Key West DVC rooms are bigger than all of the other. <laughs> They're the DVC biggest rooms, rooms on yeah, property. They are. I, I would mean, say probably for the for the vacation home for the villas. Yes, they're probably the biggest. The studio looks. A little I tight. mean, I will tell you the contempt Bay Lake Tower was laughably small. Like it, it was. No, that that studio was uh, was bigger than anything I've been in DVC wise. I mean, I had like a separate. You know, I mean, it, it felt big. Yeah. It, it, now, I a lot, a lot of room to I, do activities. I and, did stay there. I'm gonna see if find the my my photos. We did stay there at one point. Uh, I should have some photos of that. We do have on the YouTube channel. We'll link some of those in the show. Some of Howe's VHS videos, yep. I think. Right? Yep. Yeah, I did walkthroughs um, of those for some reason back then, didn't I? I know. Yeah. I can imagine what those parents thought of you. Like, <laughs> what's this guy doing? He don't tour. touch anything. Yeah, I want to film it. Tape Tommy over here. You know? Exactly. I was like the kid in what was it? Sixteen Candles, or what was the movie where the kid was always taping stuff? I can't remember now. You were basically every YouTuber in yeah. 1992. Or the Goldbergs guy. Yeah, the guy from the Goldbergs <laughs> that videotaped his entire life. So it's early '92. We've got a Mid East war that had going on. His Disney decade was a little little tight, and they. Uh, they kind of really revamped the boardwalk plans and kind of it kind of slowed mm-hmm. it down. Um, wasn't really able to to begin. Um, and actually, there was another thing called the Disney Vacation Club West, which was just north of the Yacht and Beach Club, was going to be made. Um, so that's why they called it West. It, it kind of made sense. It was going to be very similar uh, to the one. the The entrance would have uh, kind of kind of been in an odd spot, actually, uh, around the Epcot entrance. It was. You could well it butted up against the Epcot entrance, um, and then the entrance was actually to the right across from Yacht and Beach. You know where you're going mm-hmm. to Yacht and Beach? Yeah. If you made go go across the street, that's where you get into Disney Vacation Club. We West. We, we may yet see a DVC <laughs> resort at the Epcot entrance. Pa- yeah, apparently it's buildable. Keep it's talking possible. about it. It's walkable. It's yeah. So. 
Uh, so yeah, when you think about that, it would be basically to the, to the west of Imagination and Soren, and and between that and Yacht Club, so that's where it would be. So here we are. Um, um, first year of sales did fifty million dollars, which is which is crazy, and that brings us to nineteen ninety three when my grandparents requested information. Um, so I, I I showed you gentlemen the 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 photos there and i also have a point card so we can play a little uh, a little game here if you'd like um now let's say with your membership in the disney vacation club you have 270 vacation points to use yearly here are some of the ways you can use them just to be confusing we have five different seasons of staying and four different places to stay so do you want the adventure the choice the dream the magic or the premiere season which will we pick Oh, I hate this yeah. game because this is. I always go in the most. You expensive do well. Let, time. What do you think it's, is the most expensive season there? I I, I could tell I you if I looked the at the chart. Expensive, right? Okay, that's April twenty, uh, April twelfth to twenty fifth, and Christmas twenty four yeah, to thirty one. Easter right. week and Christmas yeah, week. You know, yeah, so that's that's when we're free to are go. Are we going with a grand villa or a what 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 size house? How what should we go with the studio one, two, or three? Well, are we all going, all four of us? Yeah, you guys are going to guess how many points. Then studio, if we're all going. <laughs> uh, all four of you are going. It says <laughs> sleep up. It's going to be chummy. All right, so uh, Sunday through Thursday, how many points a night was it? And then how many points on Friday and Saturday? Twelve. It was 15 for Sunday through Thursday. And what up quite significantly, Friday through Saturday, 38 points. Wow. wow. More wow. than double. Yeah. Really, really high. And in fact, uh, Friday through Saturday, I'm assuming that's all. F- that's Friday through Saturday. Like you get all three days because it's saying weekly is 158 points. No, that would be. Was, was, wasn't the minimum buy-in 150 points or something like that? 170 because what they're saying, the Grand Villa, which sleeps yeah. 12, it says weekly is 680 points. Whew. Good. All God. right. Well, that's the most expensive that's the big place. One, yeah. That's it. So the cheapest way you could go would be the adventure season, which <laughs> starts New Year's Day and, yeah. and early September and early December, which kind of makes yeah. sense. New Year's Day was traditionally a very slow yeah. day for them. Yeah, before it, was it when it would something. start to slow down. Everybody right, had to yeah. go home yeah. and go back to school mm-hmm. or go back to work. Um, but so, on the on on the promotional videos, which were you know after the place was a year old there there were people saying oh well we bought and you know we bought the cheapest level but it's going to give us two weeks you know we come in the value season so mm-hmm. it's going to give us like two weeks here and that's what we usually come two weeks a year yeah two so different I have, trips this is now this is 1990 it says march 1993 on it um these are two of the financing options as well as the number of points so at this point <laughs> you could buy 230 points or 270 at least that's what i've got um, you were up, you could get up to a 10 year loan. You could, you could do that. And if you had okay. an APR direct deposit and the funny thing is, is that they don't tell you what the monthly payments are. They're actually asks out because do you have any idea what the APR was back I then? I was going to say, yeah, like 10, 30. like 10, 10, 12 percent, 11 and a half. Yeah. yeah, yeah for yeah. 10 years. Was, if you took it for 12 months, it was six. Now, I know we, we are kind of in a, in a time right now where, where interest rates are going back up. But, you know, 93, um, I remember my parents purchased a house in 84 for the first time. And I, I think their, their their mortgage was something like 15%. So, yeah. um, so it's, it had come down a little bit. So, yeah, 15,120s, annual dues already up to 691. Minimum down payment, 3,000. Financed a year, 650 
a month if you went with a five months 259 essentially a very expensive car for five years yeah. so a lot of math and if you financed you were paying a lot more let's just do a little math here I'll get the calculator 390 times 36 months 14,000 plus the down payment 3024 uh, you wanted the floor mat so we're gonna add that in so you paid seventeen thousand dollars for the fifteen thousand dollar buy-in and in addition to having to pay an annual okay fee. so so right so let's just see what you paid over the first 36 months in the first three years it was seventeen thousand plus 691 times <laughs> i feel like in the, i'm in that room three, that right i don't like so just, you <laughs> stop just let me take the car and get Wait, out of here you paid over nineteen thousand dollars in three years for 50 years of vacations but you so still have to pay dues did you say there was a monthly fee no, no, no. Annual. Well, just, you, annual. Fun, I was yeah, doing yeah, the monthly year. payment. Okay. Oh, yeah. gotcha, yeah. Monthly gotcha, payment. gotcha, gotcha. Monthly right. payment until you've paid off your financed uh, right. amount. And right. that was at a moderate 10%. You know, you, you take it over 60, 84. And I, I love option five with all the asterisks on it and the small fine print at the bottom. So so I got into, a. I mean, I, in the early years of Twitter, uh, I, I got into, like, conversations with people who you know, own DVCs. Mm-hmm. And I would occasionally, you know, when the topic had come up or they would change some benefit, I mean, I would give my, back when you used to just throw opinions out on the internet, I would say, you know, these these timeshares don't make any sense, like, to me. I don't get it. And I remember one guy responding to me, and obviously in the Twitter history somewhere, the guy responded to me and he's like, oh, it's a great deal. And, you know, we we get to go every year and it's, you know, we put $1,100 and we get to spend two weeks down there and it, and I said, well, but you're not calculating the the twenty seven thousand dollars your dad paid, like right. initially for that. Like you're you're not including that in in the. In the I said, if you, you know, for me, because my whole thing was when I would compare it, I'd say it 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 makes more sense for me to book the room that I wanted a discount or that I'm willing to pay for, right, and not have to give them twenty thousand dollars for the right to book that room. Yep. That in the long run, I think I'm making, you know, a better, making out better on the deal because uh, I just move around where I stay. Now I stay off property most of the time. But Right, right. Uh, You're, it, it, so like I said, you, you are pre-buying memories and it's also for people, that's where they want to be and they want to be in the Disney sphere for all their vacations. It, it might work out well. And, but you're absolutely right, Brian, in that the, you have to look at, the best way to get a DVC is to have somebody you inherit it. Yeah, somebody else buy it. That's what, I mean. My that's, friend that's, who, who does it, it's, it's fifteen hundred dollars yeah. a year, and my, and you're good for whatever times left. If my grandfather, yeah. if I had inherited this from my grandparents, I'd be very happy. I'd be like, okay, I'd, I'll use these points and or I'll sell them. So, but when you do the math, what a lot of people don't think about too when they do this math is to your point, adding it all up, the twenty seven thousand yeah. dollars spent, and you divide it by the number of years going to have it. Is it a point where you may not go, want to go anymore? Life might change. Kids grow or up. Or less. I mean, or less. less. And of course, their big pitches. Well, you can use your points to go somewhere else. You can it's, trade them. It's and always go to, very you know, hard, there, right? You know. Yeah. It's always a, it's like frequent flyer miles on the next airline, right? <laughs> like the partner. Right. Well, the partner only opens six seats and uh, you can go to Missoula or, or you know, Bangor, Maine. So the other thing that people have to remember too is exactly to your point. When you give money to somebody, you're giving up the chance to make money off of that. Now let's just use today's rates right now. Like I have a car loan from two years ago. That's 0.99%. And people say, Oh, you know, you've got two years left on just pay it off. You have, you have the cash. You can pay it off. I said, no, I won't. No. 
Why would I pay that off? My money in my bank. It's almost is, free money. <laughs> right. My money in my bank is making four, uh, almost 4% right now in the high yield savings. So that if I put the money in the car, I, I, I'm, I'm not making, I'm, I'm, I'm losing 90.99%. Otherwise I'm making 4%. So it's a 3%, it's a 3% by holding on to that money. Go ahead. This is our, this is our Disney Institute personal finance class. You're exactly. Taking right now. There we are. There we are. We're, we're, everybody's gets a certificate at the end. So when you give money and when you now imagine a situation where you had DVC, you purchased it and you financed it because you're financing, you're increasing the cost of your vacation over that period of time. So if you have cash, the best way to get it is to inherit it. The second best way to get it is buy it outright cash when when you're yeah. when there are low rates. Um, and then the, the the third way to buy it is to finance it. Now, what we all can't predict is the future, but the future money goes up. So what we can't what we can probably have enough of there in fact there's a website out there that tracks the history of uh, the the dues on the points over the course of the years, over the course of the life of these resorts. So we can probably with pretty good accuracy project where they're going to be. So my my, my, my wife said to me one night, she said, do the math on it. I'm just, I'm just curious. Um, and I don't remember the specifics of it. And I'll be honest, I stay at DVC places, but people who want to sell their DVC points, if there's anybody out there who wants to sell me some, I am looking for uh, Alani next year. So Please email me. I need some Alani points. Sell direct to Todd. Yep. I'll, I'll cut out I'll, the middleman. Exactly. Cut out the middleman. We'll help each other out. Um, but uh, she says, if we bought it and these people that are selling it and there's the middle person and you got to do all that work, would it ever break even? Would, would you get to the point um, where you could make potential money on it? And I did the work and it was so slim to get there. And when you really did, you might not have enough years left over. Um, to pay for itself. So I think the best way you can say is that if you're going every other year and you're selling for 15 to $18 a point, you can help offset the investment that you know and help offset yourself and maybe not feel like you need to go every year. Because I think you can bank a year. So you could really theoretically sell two years, go a year, sell two years and go. That might be your best way to cushion what the expense is. If you need more vacation points for this year's vacation, you may be able to borrow up to half of your vacation points from the upcoming year. Also, you may be able to save or bank some or all of your vacation points from this year and use them the next year for a longer stay, a larger vacation home, or for more visits. While some limitations apply for banking and borrowing, we'll be glad to help you find a plan that will work for you. Uh, we may want to come down here with other friends and we have the ability to borrow points or to use points to get a larger unit. Or when our, our son is, uh, is going to school and we want to come down here ourselves, we can save one points one year and get a smaller unit and save up some points for a larger unit another time. Perfect to Brian's point though. Look, this is my philosophy and the way I think about it. I'm a, I don't want to dissuade anybody or like who's thinking about purchasing. I don't want, like Brian said, I don't want you emailing us and yelling at us. We'd love to get opinions. Um, but I, I'm happy for those that do purchase into timeshares and get value out of it for the family and want to know. You know, sometimes people come in with a lot of money for one year and they need to spend it or whatever, or somebody gifts them money and they buy it. And then the dues don't feel that bad over the course of 30 years because it's 1500 bucks a year. They're going away for vacation, which is cheaper than calling up Disney and booking two weeks. Spending <laughs> right? $7,000 yeah, to stay at the Contemporary yeah. for, for a week. Right, <laughs> right. So like like my, my coworker did, remember? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes I, I do. That's why I said it. That's, that's, that was it. Yeah, I knew the 7000 came. So 
because I, I really think you hit on it with the memories. That's, that's what they're exactly trying to get. Right. They, you you go and a lot of people go to Disney how many times? Once, Once right? Twice. They want that feeling over and over, over, and again. over so, again. And when you catch them in yeah. that moment, they're interested. So in buying I'm going to say a couple things about this. First, in that first promo video they did for it, which is 14 minutes long, it's on yeah. YouTube. Um, you can tell by the the people they're interviewing, the target audience, are your you know late middle age, early senior. I have a lot of money. I'm buying this to bring my kids and my grandkids, and you know, uh, it's it's a good deal. Uh, they're they're look obviously. Anytime you're targeting people who have uh, assets, who have liquid cash that that they can put into this, or have the ability to finance it, right. where it's not a tough decision for them, right? And there were a lot of benefits back then. But I'll give you my neighbors across the, the, the lot here who uh, I've been great friends with for 20 years. They bought a timeshare in Aruba when they were in their early 50s, maybe. Uh, they went down there to, to a resort that I have another friend who owns a timeshare in the same Aruban resort. Mm-hmm. Um, but they bought a timeshare. They went down there one winter for vacation. They loved it. They bought the timeshare. And the whole idea was every year as the kids are through college and beyond, we're going to, you know, we're all going to gather as a family in Aruba every year. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're going to do. And that'll be our time together. And of course, what happens is your 20s and your 30s come into play and you're working and you don't want to go on vacation with your parents. You want to go to <laughs> Club Med with your friends or to Vegas with your bros or, you know, what, you know, um, the, the, the you end up dating or getting engaged to someone. You want to travel with your fiance or your husband or wife. You start to have kids. Basically, what they said was after like a year or two, their kids never wanted to go. Right. Um, and so they, they said after about five years of you know, going to the same place every week, you know, every the same week every year in the winter and trying to find people to go with it, they sold it. You know, yep. they, they just resold it. We know that people's plans change, their needs change, and their families grow and change over time. So when we designed the Disney Vacation Club, we knew it had to offer the kind of flexibility that families need. The key to that flexibility is a unique and innovative system of Disney vacation points. So I think one of the things we should do, getting away from the math and uh, the logistics of timeshares in general, is to talk a bit about this specific resort. How did talk about the architecture and the feel, uh, you know, the idealized uh, Key West uh, feel? I, I think when you visit it today, part of, you know, it is a it is a snapshot in time. Uh, and what happens is when you embark on a venture uh, where you're building something abnormal to what you've normally built. We're down there. They were building hotels. They were building places for people to come and stay as a, as a rental property. Uh, these were much more geared towards uh, stays of a week or more and ovens in the room and stoves and, uh, you know. The thing I noticed visiting the resort today, because it's got a great restaurant in Olivia's, which I think has always been a great restaurant. Um, and the, the the when you go to eat there, if you're not staying at Old Key West, the thing you immediately notice is that there are cars everywhere on the side of the road, like just 
like people throw their keys, like Creed when he's manager at Dunder Mifflin. He pulls up and just throws the keys in the parking lot and says, keep it running. Um, and it's because they're, I guess, the traveling public over the years a lot more people have cars than they had originally, I guess, calculated. So as a result, there's people parked in parking spaces and then there's people parked all over the side of the road in places in there and they're staying at old key West. Uh, and that is my strongest impression. Every time I pull in there, it's also a bit of a labyrinth. If you, you know, you can find, what do they call the hospitality house or the, like the main place where you check in the main building. Um, yeah. 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 yeah, I think of the hospitality house and you, you check in there and then, you know, they, you go to your, you go to your resort. Um, and that's just that, that, that is always what kind of hits me. There is the, the sense of isolation almost from the rest of Walt Disney world. When you're in that resort a lot more. So I think than some of the other ones, um, it felt like nature-y, too. Yes. Like, you know, you'd get out in your balcony, you'd have, a, like, a water feature, you'd have, a, you know, woods or trees. Or, I mean, it just felt like... Because you, you kind of meander yeah. when you drive, too. The roads curve, yep. and you end up... You're like, where am it's, I? And then you end up, and you're tucked back It's a resort somewhere. community. Yeah. Um, but know, that's... More so than... Got to be kind of what they were going for, too, I think, a little yeah. bit. Because you were selling it, right? You wanted to feel... Look, the whole welcome home thing didn't come out until the, what, the last 10, 10 15 years, right? But... Look, they were trying to sell that type of thing too. Just yeah, and I'm, I'm really being a fascinated. Away from the yeah, it was I, a different experience. And I'm really fascinated because when I went, it was literally just the hospitality house and maybe the first pod of buildings there in the parking mm. lot. So you'd drive in, and it was just like this fortress of of places to stay directly around you. But I look, I'm looking at the map now, and I'm seeing what you guys are talking about. How these roads lead off like into the woods, and there's just these other buildings everywhere now. Yeah. Um, which is the first time I'm becoming aware of it. And so what did what a different experience? Because one of the things that was really kind of appealing initially uh, was that you were a short walk from Livia's and all of the you know all the things that the that resort had to offer. But now you'd have to get well, in a, now there's four you'd have to get a car, or a <laughs> yeah, bus or something to get around because it doesn't look particularly walkable either. No, this is a, a one of the same as Saratoga. This is an internal bus loop, uh, a one I believe. And then there's said you stay deep. I mean, there's its own pool for the the back corner of each uh-huh. area. And I mean, it's it's very similar to Saratoga. The feel of it being spread out and big. And then we we touched on it has a golf course around it right, too. Right. Yeah, I'm looking at this. It's like runs right up the middle of it. Yep. But it does so, have its own boat launch to well now Disney Springs, but you know downtown disney disney springs but what's and, interesting uh, guys a lot of those were there in the beginning too these these yeah. ones you're talking about i mean i'm looking at night aerials from 1995 it, it it hasn't changed uh and the pool the pool was there too and it's just yeah all the, all the pools and so. it was a test resort for them i mean yeah. they were seeing if there was a market for this and they found out there was and then they immediately began let's let's start building more yeah Right, um, but the but the layout certainly changed, right? This it, it, when you think about the resorts that Disney built in the late '80s. So take a look at this one. Take a look at Caribbean Beach. Think about Port Orleans and what was then called Dixieland, you know, Riverside. 
they were all very, very spread out. They were yeah. they were a different type of resort that they're building now, too. Right. So. Well, nothing over three stories. Yeah. Right. And what they're selling now uh, as DVCs, if you look at Bay Lake Tower, uh, the new one they're building at the Polynesian, the tower that they added at uh, Coronado Springs, right? Yeah, uh, is that that's not DVC? Where they add the, the Caribbean Beach? They added a tower there too, right? I think they they added a tower there. Yeah, uh, or planned know. to add a tower there. I Wasn't there? <laughs> I forget. No, Caribbean but is yeah. There's one at Caribbean Beach. Is there a tower now at Caribbean? Yeah. I thought there was because one's they, Riviera. But that's not, there's I don't Riviera, think that's, that's not DVC. And then there's, uh, yeah, Riviera. Oh, Riviera, but it's not. So yeah, so, not, not, so yeah. So if you look over the, at those things, I mean, really, what they're selling now is condos. I mean, yeah. they're selling apartments, hotel rooms that are right. souped up. It is not this pseudo townhome anymore that that the original DVC because that's really what Old Key West is. is Correct. It's, it's like going into a townhome community. So JT, you saw in one of the things what people would do in these townhomes, right? That, that was expected, right? Yeah. No, it's it was a in you know going back to that, it was very much like it. When, the reason we did the spiel because you'd watch these videos and you'd see this it felt very much how we vacation like we stayed at the cabins at fort wilderness for a big chunk of time we cooked there we did i mean we didn't do a park day and make like a casserole but you know we'd have frozen pizzas we used an oven we did that sort of stuff and yeah they show the kids playing board games the you know the mom's making a, a, a literally a turkey in the mm-hmm. oven i mean it's a whole thing and it's you know then somebody's sitting there watching tv and it, it's it's that typical we've got the grandparents the parents the grandkids everybody's in here having a great time doing everything you can do in a house basically yeah. and in the 90s if that included free park admission which did mm. That's a great deal. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm, of course I'll make a turkey dinner. It doesn't matter because <laughs> I'll go I don't whenever wanna, I want. I don't want to get my hundred and twenty dollars worth, or back yep. then seventy dollars worth, or whatever for my park hopper ticket because I didn't pay for it. It's already included in the thing. Well, if you're cooking a turkey for two people, yeah, I, we, we need to have a conversation. <laughs> well, okay, so well, JT, you said you saw a video, right? They were make mom was making a casserole or something. Usually, yeah, she's, you know, as they, they do the, the panning shot and the, you know, showing sure. the room size, she's pulling it out of the oven for there's fresh baked All cookies right. or. Uh... So I have two, I have two theories here on this. Okay. The casual visitor to Walt Disney World who stays in a DVC room or even those that own DVC points. Uh, we've stayed in ones and two bedroom villas. We've stayed in studios. And I think those individuals who don't go often. They're going to get the most out. Of, they want to get the most out of the parks and the visit. That kitchen area becomes the bagel in the morning, the place to put the food that you got from, t- the, you know, the, the doggy bag that you, you know, because you took too much food or, you, you know, you didn't finish your food at dinner. I don't know if anybody's really fully cooking meal or you're hungry and the kids, you go down and there's a DiGiorno pizza in the freezer. But people, and I want DVC people to write in and tell me if it's true. I think people who use their points every year and there multiple times, they might say, hey, we're just here to enjoy X, Y, Z and be here. You're, I'm, you're there for the resort. Exactly. I'm going to cook. This is my home for two weeks, or, and I'm going to get full groceries. Or you're at least having cereal for breakfast, and there's lunch meat and, yep. you know, for sandwiches and, yep. and at lunchtime. Sure. And, yeah. And, you know, maybe you're only eating out once a day. Or right, something. right. So I want to know. Like, people write in. Tell us. that you know, Have you cooked the big – have you had a Christmas dinner? I'd love to. I'd, I'd or come call. visit you. You could call you our – 
9787retro and leave a message for us if you don't want to write out a whole email and just tell us exactly how you use your DVC we'll get you uh, on on the air and and then I want you to say I gotta go the turkey's about done exactly I gotta go 900 degrees I did learn, and this was new for me. I think I was 27 the first time I stayed at a, a DVC in that age. And the trash thing got me where they don't, you know, we oh, were yeah. there a week, right. like nine days. And I'm like, no maid service on the regular. And yeah. this is pre-COVID and no trash. And then there was like a, a separate area where you take your trash. And I'm sure all the DVC people are like, yes, you idiot. That's how we do it. That's the timeshare thing. That's that. But like. It wasn't like a normal hotel room. No. It was definitely a little different. And they area. still don't, you know, you have to ask for service, and the service is only every four days and certain things like that. So, I, um, I mean, obviously an advantage to staying there is also the washer and dryer and room. Um, you know, that, that... If you go with the one bedroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not in a studio. Yeah. Um, but if you're taking enough people to do laundry, you're generally well, in something bigger than we a had studio, right? what seven of us the uh, just last uh, this past April, and it rained and people's sneakers got wet. We tossed them in there, and we had food. You know, it it, it I was bet handy. Your neighbors love that. <laughs> yeah, we started around nine o- nine o'clock that night. It was great. <laughs> it went about eleven <laughs> o'clock at night. <laughs> yeah, we're tired it up. So, <laughs> um, I, I will tell you the one time that happened to me, uh, and I had a soaking wet pair of sneakers. Uh, I apologize to whoever in whatever hotel I was in used that hair dryer after me because the, oh there you go I learned from hockey the hair dryer goes in the shoe at full blast about fifteen twenty minutes it's bone dry you know, yeah there we go so we've got um, we're nineteen ninety three here uh, Disney starts to announce the uh, they buy seventy acres of oceanfront property near Vero Beach mm-hmm. uh, and added some things there. Um, has anybody stayed? I there? have one one night we stayed. You yeah, did, right? we were we were down in um we were down in West Palm Beach. We 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 left and we we're trying we were gonna drive up to to Cocoa Beach and we said, Oh, we'll just stop off at Vero on the way. And I said, This is this is really nice. Um yeah. all right. Well we walked in and we're like, Hey, could we get a one bedroom for the night? Oh yeah, we got availability. The rate was fine. I'm like, All right, canceled the <laughs> the one up the way a little bit. Um, we had a wonderful stay, wonderful dinner. Uh, we did a mini golf competition that one that night. Found out the next day that we won against the other families. You know, glow in the dark rings and you know things in the dark. There were water slide competitions and um, very low key, but really nice beach, really nice area. So I had a great time. Okay. I uh, last winter twenty two. Uh, I on the same drive coming up from my lunch in Miami. We were coming up out of the Keys, and uh, we had lunch in Miami, and then uh, hit Vero Beach around dinner time. Had dinner reservations at the restaurant there, whose name is escaping me at the moment, but um, we had dinner reservations at their sit-down restaurant, mm-hmm. and had a lovely dinner. And in the dinner middle of good, dinner, yeah. our waitress came over and said, uh, "You know, they're going to do a launch on the beach, mm-hmm. uh, so if you want, I'll." keep your dishes warm and you can go out walk out onto the beach here and watch the launch so we did uh and then the launch got scrubbed uh <laughs> with like four seconds left or whatever so we came back inside and finished our dinner and explored the resort a bit and then uh we we, we did end up that night in coco beach next day toward nasa and uh, that evening from uh, the beach in Cocoa Beach, we got to watch the launch actually go off. Oh, there you go. And it was one of those uh, 
uh, Elon Musk ones that take off and then come back and land. And watching it land back on the pad that it took off from was one of the coolest things oh, I've awesome. ever watched. That was really cool. That's cool. Did you go to the Wind and Waves Grill, Brian? Uh, is that, that I think that's what of, it is, yeah. Is that what the name of it is? Whatever the sit-down restaurant is there is where we went. and It was nice. It, it had recently been renovated. It's a big open kitchen. and. Mm-hmm. Um, but Casual a beautiful dining but set the, sale. The, the the thing I remember is the the map in in the in the hardwood floor. Like the, oh yes, the, 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 yes. There's like a full compass and map and stuff. And it just really you because you could go up to the second floor and look down. Just a beautiful, really a, a lot of yacht club vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, very very well done. Yeah, <clears throat> it was very nice. They have a uh, great bike trails around the area. We rented some bikes and and rented then you know, rode those through. So, so in November, 1993, Disney wants to go to Hilton head and they, uh, want to be build 68 oceanfront villas, uh, in the following summer and then build another hundred of them, um, built by 1996 on a nearby Island. Um, but they wouldn't really comment on those plans. The locals were, were kind of up in a roar and, and, um, it was not a thing for Hilton head. So they wound up building elsewhere. Uh, and they, what do they do at JT? They move people around or something? They, they did something? Well, it's not on the ocean. Right. It's uh, They call it, it's on, oh gosh, it's like a creek. Uh, I forget what like they call inlet? the creek or now. A... Yeah, it's like the, the property is on Hilton Head's Broad Creek, a landlocked tidal marsh okay. on South Carolina's coast. And then they do have a like a pool house and like a beach type area on the water so they'll take you over there to have beach access okay but like if you want to walk from your room to the beach you can't really do that but it's nice i've i've heard a, a number of people stay there really liked it there you go i haven't been there yet though i've never been to that's Hilton. yeah that's i've nice. been to hell but i haven't been there so um so we break ground in 1994 but also did you guys know this was another one that didn't go through we talked about disney vacation club west this is the really true west one um estimated 25 million they bought 35 acres uh on the newport coast that is not newport rhode island that's okay out newport california balboa island yeah um the beachfront community there yep so it was a big, wow. uh, eventually going to be upwards of 650 units and uh that eventually um they announced it in march 1994 obviously following the success success of everything and uh it just did not wind up going through um and uh, they announced a revised plan that would include a, a hotel larger restaurant so this is more than a year later um and it's just that we may delay the construction until 1997. Um, and, and basically, you had Hilton Head opening in 96, but Newport was still going. Um, it didn't start in 1997, and instead they announced in February 1997, three years later, they announced they were canceling the plans and putting the land on the market. Ironically, in 1988, Marriott announced plans for its first ever California Coast vacation ownership re- resort, located on the rolling hills overlooking the Pacific Ocean between Newport and Laguna. It was the former Disney site. <laughs> and it opened in 2000 with its 55 units with plans for 650. So um, so who knows? Uh, you know, there's people say, oh, it's, they had debt from buying ABC, all sorts of different things. But you can still experience what it would have been like if, you know, you just go to Marriott Resort, that's all. So, 
I'm looking um, to see where that is located in relation to where I stayed. I was in Newport uh, Beach last year. I stayed at the Hyatt there because it's okay. where Disney discovered Bob Moline and um, in that resort. And I'm looking where the Marriott is now. <laughs> see how close they were. Actually, the beach is a little further over, so... We've got a few more years to talk about here. We're going to kind of accelerate because there's not a lot going on. We're con- we're, we're pushing forward with uh, Hilton Head, the, the condominiums that they wound up putting up. The Disney Magazine gets an article on boardwalk construction. It's starting to be seen on satellite photos. These, these... What's, what's crazy is we did Old Key West, and, I mean, we didn't come back to Disney World till 96. Yeah. Took, you know, they did the other two yep. first. So you could tell their plans were to like oh, well, expand out. Right. And, I mean, that whole Disney, you know, development company that bought a V or, or whatever it was, a v, that was at the beginning. Um, or Vita, where was it? Or whatever it was. Uh, yeah. But then we had a big, a big event. A big event happened in, in, in 1995. Does anybody know what that is? Big DVC event. No. We lost the mountain. The mountain fell into oh. the ocean, and the Vacation Club logo only has two mountains now. So the palm trees are still there. They're a little more. They're just one color rather than brown. But uh, you know how you're our former resident uh, logo and artist expert. So maybe you can stare at the two one of these days and go, "I don't see a lot of differences. I don't know what would have motivated them." So they really didn't change that. No, like. The only thing I can think of is that the peaks got much more like pyramidal, right? The the other ones kind of have a little curve to them. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then they changed the color of the Mickey sun coming up to more of an orange from a bright yellow. Yeah, they dropped sort of the dimension on the the palm trees and just made them flat. Flat, yeah. I mean, cost saving. We can do this in five colors rather than four colors. (laughs) who knows? Who knows? That is interesting. I mean, I, it does make me wonder if at some point there was some sort of, you know, reasoning behind mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, behind the numbers of mountains and things. Like, you know, maybe at some point someone said, like, oh, we'll do two two ski resorts and a beachfront yeah. and this tree represents California and this tree represents Florida and this tree represents <laughs> North Carolina. And then when they got rid of the third one, like, whoops, they're like, Oh, that. take that out. We don't need that out anymore. I also think too, maybe it was easier when you shrunk it down too. when you shrunk the, the it becomes harder, easier to print with the own. Oh, no. Yeah. Who knows? Easier to stitch on a golf shirt. I'm sure they would have done, go. you know, single color versions and, you know, different, different uh different variations for those different applications too that is fascinating i wonder why would they do that the three one definitely is like the two is less balanced in a lot of ways (laughs) (laughs) ladies and gentlemen when we bring up new logos with how this the discussions we have show me the old pepsi compared to the new pepsi yeah that's uh, it's interesting it is a little less balanced yeah yeah. So. The waves look less sharp too, less dangerous. Oh, that's true. Yeah, they did look a little more, huh? A little less harmless. So it's funny. I never really. Well, I won't say I never really looked at it because, of course, we've looked. We've all looked at it over the course of thirty years or so. But uh, 
And I think it's gone off all the signs yeah, now. I mean, they, they they got that mouse head. Yeah, now. These, like, well, it's definitely, I, definitely. I think it had its. It was a product of its time. Oh, it's a it's a '90s logo. Yeah, by, it's a by totally far. '90s logo. So I'm I'm not surprised that they would have at some point, you know, they did it. tamper down the, the the turquoise too in the main font down to a more yeah, more. Yeah, they got they got rid of the gradient in the background and took it to you know. Took it down a little, yeah. Oh no, yeah. it's got to be riveting for everyone listening to us. <laughs> All right, well, we'll move on here. Let's, yeah. Let's Vero keep, opens. Keep uh, so Vero opens in 1995, and what's interesting is that although sales at Vero Beach have been slow, Disney officials said that's because they've concentrated on marketing to people who want to book a trial stay. Now, if you heard me a little earlier, I said I just walked in and booked a room. It's a DVC only resort, but you can walk in and book. They will just you can just book it. It's not a big deal to come in. So it's not like um, other DVCs where, you know, yes, you can book at the Polynesian, but you, I don't think you can walk in Key West and say, hey, give me a room, you know. Uh, so it's a little bit different. Uh, but um, so then we are fast forward. We're almost done here because we're only going back 25 years to our, our, our little kind of rule there. Uh, but in 1996, uh, the Vacation Club Resort was officially renamed to Disney's old Key West Resort, where it still that name still stands today. And then the Hilton Head Island opened a little bit later. Um, and then the, we, they announced more of the Boardwalk Villas, and that would be the fourth DVC resort. So there's a wonderful picture here. Um, uh brian you're gonna you're gonna appreciate this i'm gonna drop it in our in our channel chat here look at these two people just enjoying this pseudo room and look at that red snapper down at the bottom with just fresh lemons and corn on the cob you know that's when you think dvc don't you think a giant raw red snapper you got breakfast captured there in the photo and then dinner a full fish a whole fish like bottle of olive oil sitting there next to some kebabs and apples (laughs) And a banjo. And a banjo. <laughs> banjo and some wind instruments. Uh, um, it takes you back to a livelier, more luxurious time. There's nothing uh, more luxurious than uh, unrefrigerated whole fish. So. I just like that my man is rocking some white linen pants. Yeah. And uh, he's not at all nervous about having that glass of orange juice hanging over yeah. him. Is that after Labor he's Day? He's got a tea time he's soon. Got a tea time. <laughs> Definitely has a tea time soon. Absolutely. <laughs> Now they're saying they have a conference center that's twenty thousand square feet of flexible, hospitable accommodations. What's the uh, square footage at the yacht club? Oh, good, good, very. It's a much larger. I mean, yeah. Okay. I mean, just some of the, uh, room, yeah, some of the, the rooms over there are twelve, thirteen thousand alone, fourteen thousand. So. Okay. Yeah the the, con- the the convention or conference space in the boardwalk is fairly small, compact. Yeah compared to i'm gonna say i'm very surprised the next one to come back was the boardwalk i really didn't think that one was one of the you know early ones for some reason that's where we did our tour back in the day when they had the models there like that you know right there off the boardwalk like come see the yep you know the the trial high and they had the different themes in there they had one like wilderness lodge they had one like whatever was out of the animal kingdom so we are now under our final year that we're going to talk about today, and that's uh, 1998. They started to market all four resorts together, creating magical memories. So right, we had Where the Magic Never Ends or Where the Payments Never End, and this is creating magical memories to cherish for years to come of the payments for, of years to come. So 
that was 1998. Nice, put together well. I mean, uh, how when you look at the colors, it's a it's a deep blue, a forest green, a purple, and a, a yellow orange. I mean, again, just 90s. Yeah. All the way. I mean, they're just. You know, Disney's marketing machine has always worked really, really well. And so, yeah. You know, they've. This was also a time period when they, in like the print magazine regional design annuals, they would win an award for one thing or another yep. all the time. So they were, they were, uh, they were really firing on all of the cylinders back then. Yep. Exactly. Now I want to add, we talked about earlier in the show, the, uh, the yellow Disney vacation club vintage bus. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're saying, I found a site here, they're saying it's from 1937, and it's uh, from the White Tour Bus uh, Company, manufacturing company, and they actually use these out west, they're saying, it like, you know, it'd be, they'd sometimes call them like a Yellowstone bus, so you'd load up that bus mm. in the, you know, 40s and drive around the National Park. This site says this particular bus at the DVC Resort was updated with a V8 engine and air conditioning, had some other improvements. Now, this is what got me. Uh, sometimes... You could find that bus parked outside of one of the theme parks, and if you were staying at the old Key West Resort, you could hitch a ride back to your resort in it. Hmm. So, special that. transportation, I, and then sure. uh, it also had a canvas roof that uh, they'd roll it back, and you could basically stand there. Uh, but th- they said they don't think Disney allowed that, so it was always, and that would defeat the purpose of the air conditioning if they rolled the <laughs> canvas roof back. Was- was there a chance that James Earl Jones could be the driver? Or uh, yeah, if he was on break from, from the Institute, the institute. Exactly. <laughs> he actually narrated when he. Uh, see, now I I had wondered if I I kind of remember that van being functional at one point. I, I would love to know where it went. That could be one yeah. that uh, one of our eagle-eyed listeners. I could see Disney dumping that. That's just yeah, a you know nineteen thirty-seven yeah. bus with some mods onto it. That's a pain. Well, later on in August of 1998, uh, the Commodore House uh, is demolished and they finished the final building 62, 63, 64 to finish officially Key West. And what's interesting is that that brings in then they could actually announce an official sellout. So in oh. August uh, 1998, they announced the um, Wilderness Lodge JT, where you've stayed and I've stayed before. Um, and also in August on that same day, the Orlando Sentinel just reports just months after its flagship timeshare resort became a sellout. So, um, so because it was demolished and yeah. So what year did they change the name from the Disney Vacay? Okay. It was 96. It was was, January of 96. 96, They renamed it to old Key West. Exactly. Yep. So, um, cause, cause imagine like, Oh, I've, you know where are you staying at the Disney Vacation Club Resort, and then there were multiple ones. Yeah, right. Excuse like, me. Well, which one? <laughs> yep. Now, what's interesting too is those the buildings I was talking about that were added at Key West weren't weren't completed until November 1999. But huh? Um, huh? but yeah, they were excited about the Wilderness Lodge. will be the two sites will be connected by covered walkways, and we'll be able to take advantage of their front desk and all of their restaurants. At Mariska Ilia. So, so, we'll we'll talk a little bit. I think we should before we close out about the modern, because mm-hmm. it seems like they're always announcing. Oh, we're building a tower at Disneyland. We're building. Yeah. The they originally were going to build that senses resort or whatever it was called. Reflections. The, re, 
Reflections, mm, reflections next to, next to one of I the, always call it senses yeah. too. Why <laughs> is the, that? Because senses is similarly that's the that's, that's the, the spot. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Saratoga, Saratoga, isn't it? Reflections just sounds like I, a rehab resort. I, I, I think the word you were thinking of is senseless, not yeah. senses. <laughs> so, but yeah. the, the, the part of why they do that and add the tower and to some of these existing resorts and say it's a DVC tower and, uh, is because when you're trying to meet quarterly earnings numbers and there are people coming in plunking down now twenty five, thirty thousand dollars or more. Uh did we talk about what the current day investment is? Um no. JT, you got something there on that? Uh, um, I have into 2010. Bay Lake Tower was 18. Right, and I believe I believe now it's in the 25 to 30 thousand dollar range for for some of the newer ones, maybe even more. Um, I mean that cash, you know, when you finance it, you're not. It's not Disney financing it, right? Isn't it a like Chase or somebody that finances it? Um, but the bottom line is Disney gets that cash. And so they have you know twenty five thousand thirty thousand dollars you know from each person that says yes. On top of that, that person is paying an annual fee to them, mm-hmm. uh, even if they don't show up. And on top of that, uh, when there's available rooms, Disney just sells them to you. You can you can stay in those things. They come up on the list of places to stay when you're booking a room at Disney. So. That's yeah. why so many of these newer resorts are DVC resorts, uh, because basically Disney gets the money on both ends. Yeah. Eventually, that that train runs out, uh, but it hasn't yet. Well, the train runs out, but a new train starts, because here we are. Those original things were 50 years, okay? they, they As we said, they opened in, what, what, you know, 1990s. I can't remember what we said earlier. <laughs> they're going to come up, you know, in, in, in 20 years and all of those contracts are going to be invalid and they're going to start selling Key West again. And you're going to be on this rolling. I'm sure they're going to offer some way to stay in. Right. But your contract is up. You have nothing to show for it at that point. Um, and some people are going to re up and pass it to their family and, and do that. But when you think about it, Think, put your head in the investor sense. To your point, Brian, they make they're on both ends of this. It's fantastic. Yeah, for, fantastic from be, for, being being for, the landlord, oh, it's it's a great deal. Tremendous for, tremendous. for them because um, you can sell more people shares than you can fit in the hotel. Right, and and on top of all of that, uh, we should talk about the big change that happened. I don't know, five seven years ago in the resale market. So the big thing was you bought this, and then you could. Down the line, you get divorced or, you know, your life changes or you're not traveling to Disney World anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could sell it. And so oh, I paid twenty thousand dollars for it or eleven thousand dollars in this case back in 1990. It's 2003 and they're going for 18 grand now. So I'm going to list mine. And uh, well, somebody offered me 15 grand for it. Well, I paid 11. So, hey, it's, it's a good deal. I'm going to sell it for 15. I don't have to pay the 800, 900 dollar a year maintenance fee anymore and I get, you know, this windfall and, you know, it's it's handled like there are resellers or normal brokers for this. In every contract, Disney has the right to purchase it 
to match the price and, and purchase it themselves. They have right. a buyback clause. They have a buy- yeah, yeah. So what's been happening is, is in bad economic times, like during the pandemic, people were trying to resell their DVC at cut rate prices. Yep. And they would enter into a contract with someone to sell it for 11000 or $12,000. And Disney would come and just buy it back. Because how good they, is that for them? They're getting one off sure. the market. They're going to resell it. And they resell it with the lower amenities that they had to give to that person. And, yeah. And, and, and the new contract. Yeah. So so somewhere, and I'm, I'm going to have the year wrong, but I wanted to 2015 or 17 or whenever it was. Sure. You know, it was a great deal for a long time to buy somebody else's DVC contract because you could get it cheaper than Disney was selling it. And you got all of the benefits and amenities, the free parking and the discounted tickets. And it was, you know, it was basically like you had bought it directly from Disney. Right. Right. And Disney recognized that they were losing out on that. So whenever it was, because my memory, everything is either 10 years ago or a year ago. And I don't remember what the difference is. Mm-hmm. Um, they decided that starting on such and such a date, all resales get none of most of the benefits. <laughs> so, yeah, right. So you can buy in now uh, on the resale market, uh, but you don't get, you, you don't get most of the benefits. Yeah. So I, I have to. Uh, I want to say a couple of things about how DVC has. I'm sorry, JT. Did you want to add to that or? No, I wanted to say I just am on their site here, and if you want to get into Riviera now, the purchase price is thirty two five. There you go. At a yeah, studio? Uh, I think so. In there, I, I don't know, but they they break it down pretty good. And I mean, they say uh, four forty nine a month plus one hundred and six in dues. So here five hundred. I mean, they they give you all the math right yeah. there. I mean, it's, there's not there's nothing no, hidden no, about no. it. They're I'll say, which is it's up to you to realize yeah. whether or not it's a value for you. I, yeah, and and the other thing too though is they only have four for sale on here, so well, like you can't buy. I mean, obviously because they're sold out. Different now, ones, I so. I think what's interesting here too, I know very little of the timeshare industry, but I think we have to give a nod to what DVC has done to Walt Disney World and its other theme parks. Now, what we've learned is that they're focusing on the theme parks now, right? Vero Beach and Hilton Head, they did what they thought they would do curbed him back they they fought against locals it was different right and alani they, they alani's but slow had slow sales um, i mean alani not only was it incredibly expensive to build and they build it 45 minutes outside most people Hollywood can't get to it in under, under eight hours there, there's a there's a lot of things of it, but also the year after they opened they increased your maintenance fee by 33 percent wow so wow. if your annual nut was it was a thousand bucks, all of a sudden yeah, it was thirteen hundred and thirty-three. Yeah. Um, but originally, I mean, we should mention that their plan was to build one in Las Vegas yep. and build one here and build one there. And I just think that you know, again, the years after this, they ran into problems in South Carolina. They ran into problems in or North Carolina. They ran into problems Maryland. in uh, in in uh, in Virginia yeah. with building Disney's America. Uh, yeah, everywhere they seemed to yeah. go, there was a there was a pushback. Yeah, they had a DVC in Maryland, another place. Yeah, it just it didn't. You're and, right. Yeah, and um, and so I think they're just you know what you do in that scenario. You start to retreat. Yeah, they were fighting with uh, Long Beach about yeah. you know whether they were going to build California Adventure down there and. Yeah. Um, it just was, yeah, it's not like a pain because you know yeah exactly like oh we'll just build them where we're allowed to build them in our exactly. own yeah. place it's- so what I was going to say is that what has it done for the resorts I mean there's positives and negatives you know the negative 
I get to see a kiosk everywhere where uh, I, I can have the opportunity to buy. Right? Everywhere. Everywhere, right? Um, on top of that, we've got the, the um, you know, the, the, they call us, everything's welcome home now, right? Yeah, that I was really just going to say, came people, instead DVC, of people saying hello to me, they yeah. say welcome, welcome home for home. Um, they say it to me at Pop right. Century. It has, I don't it's, live it's, here. Now, it, <laughs> I don't want to live here. <laughs> it's given a lot of people an opportunity to stay at different places they may not normally have stayed. I find the one interesting thing is that it also has popped up not only the resale industry, the points industry. And it has popped up gr- more so grocery delivery than you would ever need in a regular hotel room. So yeah. you're bringing up co- these little cottage industries that never existed. And maybe they exist in different forms for other uh, popular destinations and, and things. Um, so there's it's, it's interesting how it has changed that dynamic down there. And, um, I mean, like I said, I buy people's DVC points. Again, second throw out there. You want to put, sell points? I need a Lonnie. <laughs> so, yeah, set, or e- email us, please. Um, I got a Facebook group for you, Todd. They do that. I know, there. I know, I know. There's a, yeah, we got we to gotta help, help me get hooked up. So I, I, I think it's really interesting because now you've got people profiteering, and I wonder when there are probably parts of these industries that Disney will just say, hey, we're not going to be a part of it. We're not going to get into grocery delivery. We're not going to get into resale. But I'm wondering if they ever will put their foot down on the on the point resale. Are there going to be contracts where you're not allowed that it has to be you? I think it would be silly for them because it keeps well, it gets it, somebody in the park. However, I mean, it's, it's getting somebody in the park. To Brian's point earlier, it's getting somebody in the point. But if you're not coming, I'd rather fill it with somebody who's going to pay rack rate, right? <laughs> you know, or a discounted fifteen percent off rate. And part of listen any good business wants to create repeat customers. Yeah. Uh, they have, this was really one of their first steps at creating the cycle of, instead of someone coming once or twice when their kids were between zero and 18, uh, of the annual family vacation, which was not a normal thing. Uh, I know, there was, I mean, we, we have listeners who we used to go every year. I mean, JT, that was your experience. I drove down in a yeah. camper and stayed two or three weeks and, you know, the, but you didn't go to the parks every day. You didn't, you know, that wasn't, that right. wasn't your experience. No. Um, Spring break. Right. And when Hal was a kid and they would make those trips, there was Cypress Gardens and, you know, Bach Tower and this and that. And they did other things instead of just hanging out at Disney. This was really all part of that effort to starting to, pull people away from doing other things off property. And DVC was a big part of that. Yeah. Uh, and probably their first real foray into creating the, what we now call the Disney adult and the Disney lifestylers, mm-hmm. and, uh, the people who, who are there all the time, uh, which was just not the, the clientele in the seventies and eighties. And, and so that, you know, it's, it's a, it's a monumental transformation that happened as a result of them opening this place. Right. Absolutely. To me, one of the most important words in the title is club. Yeah. yeah, they are getting you in there thinking that you know you're you're. Which I mean, hey, you everybody wants to be part of something. Granted, if it costs thirty two thousand dollars, you're yeah. in it. I'm in this club. I can come to Disney twice a year. It's a it's in and this is my lifestyle, as right. you said. This is right. what I want to do. We got into the pitch. I remember because it was they were pushing. You can go other places in New York. Right. Yeah, you yeah. can go. 
you know, it, it was, I think, an early version of Adventures by Disney, and that was kind of the thing. And I do remember hearing, like, well, it doesn't transfer well to cruise ships. Like, it doesn't transfer, which we were like, well, what if we want to go on a carnival cruise? Then we're, you know, we're kind of screwed this year because we, you know, we don't want to go to Disney right, every year, right. that type of thing. Yeah. So, but definitely a, a, a good history lesson for sure. Yeah. Days. And so. they've got that three year shuffle where you can roll over points from the prior year and borrow, borrow from, from the, the next. previous. So you can up do a to big half vacation. from the next. Right. So you can, you can yeah. plan like a giant. Right. expensive trip exactly um so but i'd know. love to hear from everybody uh, both sides of the coin I, if you're a reseller let us know what you think if you're a buyer let us know what you think if you if had you, a terrible experience yeah let exactly. us know what you think um you know are, are you breaking even how are you doing it love to hear because you know obviously these are opinions from individuals who don't own and, and use dvc for different reasons but uh well gentlemen thank you for coming back to the 90s with us uh and and late 80s it was fun to put this together search newspapers.com uh and and again very good thanks to dvcinfo.com there for uh you know like i said they put all this stuff together uh we wanted to use it and add color to it 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 really works out well uh so brian should we show a real quick retro magic we should talk about that real quick i talked here. about it already yeah. all right well if you haven't said i know but i'm just i just want to get the people they've been listening for nearly two and a half hours now please um, let the people go retromagic.org oh, there we september go. 30th october 1st yacht club convention center some of the most important people in epcot history are going to be there and we're going to be there so and you should come in the words of doc brown you're going to see some serious so it's going to be good. <laughs> so with that, thank you, everybody, for coming along uh, back in time to the Disney Vacation Club. Hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, if you can, give us a shout-out on iTunes, on Google Play, or wherever your favorite podcasting app or review is much appreciated. Uh, if you would like to obtain any of our merchandise or any types of uh, T-shirts and designs that we do, head over to lbvhs.org forward slash donate. And as Brian said, head over, if you didn't get your tickets yet for Retro Magic, get over there. There's hotel booking information for discounted hotels at the, at the Dolphin. And uh, we hope to see many of you there. And actually, we are on a countdown for the tickets to sell out. So that is coming up very much sooner than we had anticipated. So with that, thank you much. We'll be back next uh, month. You also will have a mid-episode uh, coming out probably in the next few weeks as well. A little musical yeah. act. Summer movie night at some point, and too. And a summer movie night. We've got, oh, we have some more footage. Uh, one of our, our good friends actually went through the WESH, I believe, uh, archives and found a umatic reel um, of of something in a helicopter. And he said, well, if you rent the helicopter of the day, you must have to fly over Disney and do some other reports. So we've got some great B-roll footage coming our way. We've got some films and we have some other spectacular stuff we're working on. So with that, thanks for listening. Brian, take us out. Follow the Lake Buena Vista Historical Society on Twitter and Instagram at LBV History and on the web at lbvhistory.org. For all things Retro Disney World, including exclusive merchandise, visit us on the web at RetroWDW.com and on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at RetroWDW. And follow our hosts, Todd McCartney, on Twitter at WDWMS, Hal Bowers on Twitter and Instagram at GoAwayGreen, JT Couser on Twitter at LS1JT, and on YouTube at Rubber City Motoring, and on the web at RubberCityMotoring.com. And you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Brian P. Miles. Retro Disney World is the monthly podcast of the Lake Buena Vista Historical Society, a nonpartisan, nonprofit, tax exempt, 
501c3 organization and is not affiliated in any way with the Walt Disney Corporation or any of its subsidiary or affiliated entities. 